Oh, hi! Didn't see you there. Welcome to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast with your host, Jesse. And with me is my guest, Jake Diagrella. Hi. And Zeke Morgan Hind. How's it Sorry. going? I'm so I'm so hindsight. Nice <laughs> hindsight. No, welcome to the Cinema Side Show. Yes, yeah. my show now. I've commandeered uh, this show. Whoa, we Jesse. actually got bored out. Twenty fifth episode. Yeah, new creative. New creative. <laughs> so I now have like an extra job, and so I bought. Yeah, oh, no. I bought <laughs> out the pod. How much did we cost, Jesse? Were we expensive? Ah, uh, seven dollars and fifty six cents. That's not bad. Covers the Podbean subscription. <laughs> What, like a week? <laughs> no, it's good to be back. Uh, good to have you back on, Jesse. Yeah, it's been, I, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. 16. Great to be in the in the man cave here. I can just... Yeah, yeah, this, yeah is the... this is the first time you've been in this room. Mm, mm. It's pretty groovy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah very like more intimate setting. Well, I'm dressed like a pirate. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, just for listeners at home, he looks like Tim Curry from... Um, uh, what's that Muppets movie that he's in? A Christmas Carol. Treasure, tra- just Treasure Island. <laughs> Muppets Treasure Island. It looks like Tim. I Paris. haven't seen any of the Muppets movies apart from the really? new one. Really? Oh, the one that came out like a few years ago. Yeah, which I, re- I really like that one. I, I saw that one. I owned the VHS of Muppets Take Manhattan, and oh I religiously God. watched that. It was amazing. That's a treasure right there. I have right a Christmas there, Carol sitting up there, but I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Maybe we'll have to do it for a Christmas What, episode. a Muppets Christmas Carol? What you... yeah. Well, I mean, it is oh, okay. July, so there's that whole Christmas in July thing. No, that's so. true. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's good to have you back on the show. Yeah, thank you... you for having me. Oh, 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 we're on your show, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, my I show know. now. I am the captain now. Ah. So, boys, have you been watching some movies? We've been watching a lot of stuff. Well, yeah. Yeah. Many a film has been seen. That's yeah. good. Well, yeah. let's start off with Jesse. We went to a Revelation screening the other yes, night. a Rev screening. Mm, um, yeah. Jake Glossy's Rev Virginity. What's Rev? Oh. Uh, Rev is the... the little film festival. Yeah, probably the largest film festival in Perth here. Mm, um, okay. It's a showcase. It goes for about a week and a half. Showcase of some locally made films as well as some independent international films. Mm. Um, I've been going the past couple of years. Jake, Jake's first year. Um, surprisingly, a lot of documentaries this year. A in the, lot, in the like weirdly. Yeah, a lot of documentaries. They, like they've got a they've got an impressive lineup of documentaries, and I'm a little bit disappointed by the lack of narrative films. Mm. But the one that we I was really looking forward to, which Jake and I saw, was um, Happy New Year, Colin Burstead. So do you mm. want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So um. Uh, Mr. Wheatley directed it. This would be my virginity loss as well. Of, in this of case. Mr. Ben Wheatley. He yeah, directed uh, High Rise and uh, Kill List and Free Fire. So I've seen High Rise and Free Fire. Yep. So this is my third bit. So basically the last two films he made are the ones I've seen. And then this one. Very so I haven't nice. seen a lot of his earlier catalogue. Okay. But I, I have been meaning to. You're so up to down the more recent stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it sounds like it's his directorial debut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, essentially, it is. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, so uh, Happy New Year, Colin Burstead. Mm. Uh, it's a British drama directed by Ben Wheatley. Um, and it's literally about, it centres around a large family who rent a castle for a couple of days um, over the New Year break. And they basically just try to get along with each other. Um, it's a very difficult thing for them to do. It is. It is a very difficult thing. It can be hard sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, interestingly enough, uh, before we delve into it a little bit further, okay. um, a fun fact I have about this is the working title of this movie was actually oh, called right, yep. Colin Uanus. 
But okay. then they changed it to Happy New Year, Colin Bursted. Boo. For, I don't know, I guess they figured that Colin your anus was a bit too graphic. Well, wasn't it like, because yeah. you, you met a couple of friends there as well. I heard one of them say it was because it was a line in the film that they cut. Yeah. So yeah. I think that might have been it. So I think maybe they thought, oh, okay, well, we've cut this line, so we'll just change the title. But mm. I reckon they shouldn't have cut the line because... Colin was a bit of an anus. Yeah, no, it's, it definitely doesn't go too well in the film. Well, it's, it's interesting. I think you actually like it, so you can sense it. It's one of those films that utilises the one location mm, okay. pretty well. It was shot um, in about 10 days or that's something insane, like that. yeah. Well, we talked about uh, Thunder Road Thunder only Road being yeah. 14. Yeah, so. 10 days is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, And it's just one location. I think what I what I really love about it is it's, um, it's a commentary on the struggles of organizing a large family gatherings and the idea that there is always a villain in family gatherings there's yeah. always that asshole brother that comes mm. in and everyone's like oh my gosh why did he show up mm. and so like yeah it's just this interesting examination <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a I don't have a big uh, extended family. Okay. Yeah. So, but there's always that one guy that you're like, oh, here we go. He's the one. Like, we, we don't look forward to this guy showing up. At well, you probably have that more because you've probably got like a. a large... I've got, I've got a larger family, and this actually this actually came an interesting time because I actually just recently had a funeral. Mm. Um, I attended uh, from a family member, and mm. there is that worry. There are certain family members you're like that person cannot be next to that person or there will be an actual brawl. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of that um, in my extended family. Exactly. So, but um, <laughs> Yeah, so it came at a good time, this yeah. one, for me. But one of the things I really love about this movie is it's got a very dry sense of humour, <laughs> which is ultimately enhanced by... um. There's a lot of rapid cutting in the movie, like, rapid mm. edits. So, like, <clears throat> you'll have a character having, like, a serious conversation with one of their family members... And then it'll immediately cut to, like, another character just, like, downing a beer. And, like, it's just simple stuff, but the way they are edited together is just quite humorous. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is this is just weird and jarring, but I kind of love it. It was very jarring, mm. especially at first, and I got, I got kind of got used to a very documentary-type feel. It was it really reminded me of The Other Side of the Wind, which we watched earlier in the show. Like, very similar editing. Where it's, like, that. one location, and it's, like, we're cutting over here. Now we're cutting over here. Now we're going back to these people. And you, you at first, you're trying to keep track of all these things happening within mm. this one location, but then eventually you pick up on it. I do love that we're now mm. building this catalogue where we can relate yeah. films on the podcast. To to films yeah. on the podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It took me a while to, like, for my head to click with that. I was like... Mm. That's the film thing. Like in terms of the edit, you're mm. right. It's very dry. Mm. Um, it, it's a very overlapping film, mm-hmm. especially with the editing, the dialogue, and mm. like kind of all the threads and stuff that are going on. I really liked it mm. in that sense. I think yeah. another thing as well I found really interesting was there's one LGBT character where they really normalize it and they re- okay. and like they don't, you know. Played up for oh this is an L like they don't make a huge fuss mm-hmm. about I'm it. Honestly, kind of forgetting thing. which character this is. Um, that would be Charles Dance's character. Oh my god, you're right. He's just there. And yeah, like, no, that's a no good point. one addresses it. He's just casually gay, and you're like, oh, okay. And I didn't even think that. Yeah, yeah, like you that's you forget character. that yeah. he that he is exactly, kind of thing. Yeah. Like they don't make because you know there are some films that out there that make a huge fanfare. They're like, hey, look, tokenism and all that. Yeah, uh, that's actually funny because yeah. that's something I do want to talk about with our film of the week later in the oh, show. Okay, yeah. talking about that sort of yeah. uh, 
subtle tone, no, subtle, yeah. subtleness, nature. yes, subtlety. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. That yeah. that does lack in mm. all sort of minority-based films for at least the last sure. ten to fifteen years has been quite mm. a big problem. Yeah, I think in films. So yeah. if there are like subtle characters like that. Mm that sort of are just subverted and they're just a part of the plot yeah. because they're a part of the plot. That's, that's yeah. what they should be. Exactly. Well, exactly. Like the fact that I even forgot who it's kind of was. Yeah. It's kind of a good sign. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. it's like a heterosexual male doesn't walk in the room and announce he's heterosexual. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, well, <laughs> so except all it, yeah. the people who yeah. walked out of our Rocket Man screening. <laughs> like more than one person that was did that. So funny. That, that, that was that guy who walked out. It was yeah. just a little bit too convenient that he just stepped out at that point. I couldn't, can't give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, no, it was a little too obvious. Okay. But um, no, I really, I really enjoyed that scene. And there was some great performances, like the scene where there's like, we won't spoil it, but there's like an argument kind of in the middle. Oh, this yeah, big reveal. The peak of the movie, like yeah. it has one continuous take, and like it has you, yeah. and you're like, holy crap. It's just because it's so yeah. real. It's yeah. like, oh, why is this one character shunned? Mm. As, and then you kind of find out this big explosion of an argument. And you're like, yeah, that okay, completely yeah. warranted, mm. completely warranted. Mm. Um, and I want to give a shout out to the credits as well. When, oh, oh yeah, the credits are amazing. Where uh, yeah, it's cutting between all the <laughs> casts and it's coming up with like the the the, the um, actor names and whatnot. <laughs> and then it starts saying like directed by, and then it comes up with the director <laughs> in the crowd, the answer, <laughs> and then the entire crew. The cinematographer and the gaffers and like everyone. That sounds like a lot of fun to be honest. It is. It is honestly like one of the best end credits thing that I've seen in a long time. (laughs) Uh, That was fun. Everyone stayed through to the credits. Yeah. And then it went black and then everyone left. It was very small theater as well, like a 20, 15 seat theater. So that was cool. For sure. Um, But yeah. Yeah, no, I would strongly recommend it. Um, Particularly like if you've ever had any awkward family gatherings, I reckon you'd love it. So is it, is it playing still at Revelation? Yeah, so with Revelation, um, a lot of their films, they'll do about maybe three screenings of it during the, the runtime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's had its first one. It's probably got like one next week and then one the week after. Kind okay. Of um, so you've got a couple. And then even still, there's a possibility Luna might bring it back for a re-release a little bit later yep. if it is popular. And it was quite popular, so I'd imagine they It was would. pretty filled up. Like, it, it was a small theatre, but there were people there. It yeah. is a Ben Wheatley film, so I could yeah. imagine them bringing it back. Yeah, that's um, fair For sure. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, so that was one of the things I watched. I've got two more things, but I feel like we've been Let's give stealing Z- the limelight from yeah, Zeke a little Let's give bit. Zeke oh, well, that's all right. I haven't watched... Uh, <laughs> that. Speaking of family gatherings, I did actually catch a film that has a similar one-location sort of uh, okay. film that sort of deals with... Uh, it's Roman Polanski's uh, Ooh, Carnage. Okay. Um, which was based uh, off yeah, yeah. a... Have you watched it? No, no, no. You just said Roman Polanski, and uh, I kind of cringed. Okay, yes. <laughs> now, I'm going to leave all of the, the child touching and stuff over there. Oh, okay. Um, I was like, is about... this like a Marie Antoinette? Did we mispronounce that? What's going on? <laughs> That's my fault. No, no, no. That. I hit that on the head, right? I hit that on the head. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, the film, I, I personally watched it because it had Jodie Foster in the billing. And oh, everyone yeah. knows, oh, I love a bit of Jodie Foster. Yeah. So, um, no, it's actually a really weird, like, weirdly strong cast. It's literally four characters. It's okay. uh, Christoph Waltz, Ooh, Jodie yes. Foster, John C. Riley, nice. and Kate Winslet. So, it, you know, you think about that. You see those four billing, you'd be like, all right, I'm sold pretty much just on the cast. For basically. sure, yeah. Um, it's not a wrong film. It was only about 76 minutes, and it's all set in one location. It's so enticing now, this short, short. Yeah. <laughs> when you're 100, I'm, I've just passed over 150 films for hey! the year. Um, nice. 
I am so, so tired. <laughs> um, like, I'll watch... When I watch a film like this, I'm like, 76 minutes just looks delicious right now. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like, delicious. I've got, I've got the Green Mile coming up. It's three hours. I'm like, oh. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Green Mile... Yes. Okay. Yes to three hours. It's because of you. It's because of you I'm watching Thank you. It. Thank mm. you, sir. Um, but it's basically a, a feud between two sets of parents who, who one of their their children has hit the other ch- child and it's resulted in one of the kids losing two teeth. So okay. the... the Dog it's, tooth. It's a, parent, <laughs> it's, a, it's a parent conference that goes a little bit out of control and reveals okay. at their core they've both got serious marital problems. Okay. Interesting. Um... It's very much a... I, I can see the stage play. This was based right. off a stage play. Yeah. And there was a film I watched earlier on that was done by uh, Sidney Lumet, uh, Death Trap, mm. which I talked about a long time ago, maybe like episode three or four of the I podcast. vaguely remember that, yeah. And I really enjoyed that one for being pretty much in one location, and it was really entertaining. It was Michael Caine and Christopher Reeves. Um, oh, Ooh, and really good film, and but this one just didn't do it for me at yeah. all. I think it was just, and it's weird because you got these like four pretty strong actors. Yeah. I mean, mm. you, they, they 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 do their job, but it feels very theatrical. And I don't mm. know, I don't go and watch generally films to watch a theatre performance. Okay, I guess it, va- it really yeah. felt like it was a camera watching a live stage production. Fair enough. It was like, yeah. There was not a lot happening with the camera, nothing like too special or yeah. standout-ish, but it definitely had that sort of family internal one sort of location. It would be interesting to... What was the... In um, Happy New Year, Colin Burstead. Yeah. Burstead. What did the camera do? How did oh, it keep it interesting? It was like... It was, it was a lot I mean, of like... The other side of the wind is like the most perfect comparison in yeah, my head. Yeah. Yeah, like it was a lot of like mid-shots and close-ups and mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily the camera well a lot of handheld and a lot of mm. um uh i think more so the editing was the star of it in yeah, that it was like it, it was keeping it really energetic mm. and just going like right we're going here for 30 seconds and we're coming back to these people for 30 seconds mm-hmm. going over here for 45 seconds coming back here and like you're just doing those jumps like in your head trying to like piece it all together yeah, kind of thing because yeah. it's everything so rather than it being one full scene one full scene, it's splicing up all these different mm. full scenes and just mushing it all together, which yeah, it, you wouldn't think it would work, but it actually does. Okay. So it's more so, so the editing. Yeah, I, I guess um, the answer to the question would be very rapid-fire cuts. Yeah. I think so, it's the only way to keep that sort of one, uh, yeah. one location mm. interesting, to be honest. And Carnage doesn't do it. Does these real long, like, okay. does mm. sweeping pan sort of fills the, like... Polanski or who's cinema, I haven't checked the DOP on it, but mm. he like will pan the camera left and then the characters will enter into the frame. So they'll they'll push away from the frame yeah. and enter into it. And it looks cool the first time you see it, but after like three or four times, you're just like, no. Okay. I, I don't know. The, the characters aren't likable and they feel like, it honestly does feel like Polanski has just taken the stage play and mm. put yeah. put it into a, like literally copied and pasted yeah. it into script. And they're not the yeah. same. Dedicated adaption, yeah, if you that, know. Yeah. Exactly. They're not the same art form, and yeah. it really does show hmm. because these characters, uh, they have the, the level of theatrical comicalness to them. Yeah. They're over the top, which works when you're sitting in a theatre 
and you're yeah. 25 rows back and you yeah. can't really see them, so they have to go, uh... Mm. And it comes back to that. That's the distinction between screen and stage acting. Yeah, they're, exactly. There's they're both strong art forms, but they're different art forms. They're yeah. not the same. That's mm. why certain people can't make the jump. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, yeah, particularly with theatre performances, mm. is very dialogue-based. I mean, mm. they obviously, like, they try and craft that dialogue to make sure it's not too mm. cliché. But, yeah. like, with film, like, you can get away with making a, do- a film with no dialogue mm. at all kind of thing. Yeah. And if, I, if I'm to tie it to our own personal careers, when we've auditioned people, a bulk amount of the auditions we normally get are people that are coming from theatre mm. and mm. are coming into screen. They aren't born. They aren't born into the screen line here in born Perth. This way, <laughs> um, Perth has a way stronger theatre industry than it does have a screen industry. I think that's true. Yes. Um, yeah. There's a lot more theatre kids, mm. and when they come in, it's you can tell. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's something that I've had on some of my films that the characters are probably a little bit too theatrical on camera. Yeah. And yeah. I've let it slide because mm. it's well, they, their their performance <laughs> when I'm watching them in the audition is it's great but then when they're on screen it doesn't it doesn't right. translate over which is why you really should it's what i've learned is you've got yeah. to film your auditions mm. it's interesting it. you bring that up because um like with with disconnected as well and um like for those who are following hopefully you guys will be able to watch that very soon um michaela in is one of the uh, lead actresses in it she actually has come up to me after watching cuts of the film and she actually thinks um she's told me that she thinks she's a little too theatrical in the mm. film and that that's something that she wants to strengthen up in her vocabulary, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And that's something that I didn't point out. She said it herself to me. Well, I'm sure I thought can... it was quite interesting. Mm. So, yeah. And I mean, some people can make the jump, um, but, and it's, it's just a case of adapting. E.g., one of the actors in a film we might be talking about later. Really? Whoa. Whoa. Yes, yes. <laughs> Bit of a tease. Sorry. That's Bit good. of a tease. <laughs> so what about uh, you boys? Back to you. Uh, I'll throw one back to you. Cool. Well, I, I caught another Revelation screening the day after. Because oh, yeah. this was one I booked well in advance because... Um, so my... <laughs> I'm going to say this very loosely. My good friend Ian Hale. So uh, for those who don't know, Ian Hale <laughs> uh, runs Backlot Perth. And he, he worked on a short that opened up um, this feature, The Man Who Stole Banksy. Uh, another documentary, as you pointed out. Yeah. Um, he executive produced the opening short film murals to that okay um so he actually asked if i wanted to go there and i was like yeah absolutely so i went to that with another friend mm. uh mel who's not on the show so mm. sorry guys um, <laughs> <laughs> no but um we went and watched it so it was the short with the feature documentary and they were kind of both sort of tied together um, where the short was uh basically about uh, these two people who um, they're like tag artists, or they spray paint on walls and stuff. Yeah, and um, it's kind of like this short little ten minute thing of them in an alleyway, and um, it's kind of them sort of putting their uh, differences aside or like allegiance okay. to find a middle ground sort of thing. Sounds interesting. Um, also, it's a yeah. drama. It's a theatrical. It, it was a yeah theatrical short. Um, and I remember he he was um Ian was actually sending me a lot of like behind the scenes stuff of them working. On. So you can watch all of that online, and I think they're doing more like, openings at Revelation. So I think it's yeah. a couple more times. I think today was one. I think they might be doing one later this week. So if you want to catch Murals, the short film, um, like, it's still at Revelation. And it's attached to the to the man who stole Banksy's, this feature documentary about um, the real-life Banksy, who, um, very infamous mm. um, kind of graffiti artist, if you will. Yeah. And um, that was actually 
quite an interesting documentary. I think it, I think it a little, little bit overstayed its welcome. It was, it definitely felt can like I, more of a lengthy doco. Okay, but, can I ask? Yeah. Um, what's the point of this documentary? Because there was a very big documentary that came out about Banksy. Okay. Five or six years earlier, mm. which was uh, I think Exit Through the Gift Shop. Okay. Is, that sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. One that I think it was. Uh, don't quote me on this. Uh, <laughs> uh, wait was, for uh, it. Uh, it was wait critically acclaimed. I'm pretty sure it was Oscar nominated. So okay. I'm fact checking. Fact check <laughs> that one. Say something um, else. <laughs> but it was pretty wildly acclaimed, and it was centered around uh, Banksy. So. Okay. Well, I think I think this one. It was definitely like the. Ret- it was more specifically about the image of the um the the donkey going through like um. Like the check-in zone, all like getting the ID check sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the main focus was that um, individual piece and how it was kind of stolen. And I think it ended up in like a mall at one point. And um, it was kind of like that journey. It was so it was very specifically about okay. that piece. But it was it was a, it was mostly about artists how much control they have of their work. work. If they're you know doing illegal graffiti and then people who steal that and if they legally own it, what what's the yeah. what's right you know between people who yeah. steal it, resell it for millions on eBay. Um, so that was all really interesting and they got some really great interviews. Um, but I honestly think there were a couple of times where it was very much like, we're about to end psych. No, we're still going. And they probably should have ended at one. There's a very specific point where one of his friends, so they have his, um, friend, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Um, he had kind of like a nickname, like the beast sort of thing. Yeah. There's a point where he, he's in the car, he looks at the camera, he flips us off and he says, fuck you, Banksy and drives off. And the movie ends 30 minutes after that. Well, and okay. I kind of wish it ended then. That would yeah. be perfect. Well, I can confirm on here that uh, the gift shop film is was nominated at the Academy Awards hey. 83rd uh, for best to that. documentary feature. <laughs> so you've got something right, Deke. Yeah, no. <laughs> the 25 I'm, episodes got there. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm proud of you. You've really matured. Uh, <laughs> I told you, we bring Jesse on every week. We'll never have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to worry about it ever again. We've got a yeah. fact checker. Um, so I, I really did enjoy the docket. Like I said, I think it overstayed its welcome just a little bit. Um, but it was a very nice complimentary. And I had a couple of issues with very, very specific things. Like a lot of the film is in subtitles because a lot of the interview subjects are... You know, they're, they're very, very broken English. Okay. But sometimes the subtitles were just, it was like very silly when they were, it's like, mm-hmm. you did not have to put subtitles under this thing or, or they would change it. They would change it from broken English to kind of more fixed English, but to the point where they would literally change entire sentences. Oh, so wow. it almost changed the meaning okay. of it. So the subtitles was a bit of an issue. And they very much promoted the fact that this was narrated by someone called Iggy Pop. Who I'm oh, honest, I'm you know who Iggy Pop is? I don't think so, no. Iggy, oh Iggy Pop's gosh. like like a center point of um train spotting. Okay. That's like they always listen to Iggy Pop. Right. And he's like, okay, yeah. I see. Okay. He's very much like like that artsy sort of like yeah, was the, the, the name gives early eighties yeah, sort of like, yeah, experimental away, yeah. like a Bowie esque. I think he's the British like like another like Bowie esque sort okay. of mm, alternate true. music guy. Okay, well that explains why they kind of put his name at the forefront because he narrates a lot of the doc. Okay. I thought he was a bit. In a in best scribing mm. word that miscast because he's like he's got a great voice mm. but it just doesn't fit the it just is too dry and unenthusiastic. I'm trying to remember one that oh Dogtown and the Z Boys had Sean Penn narrating it. <laughs> it was such a weird choice. Like, I love that. Like yeah. like 
I'm th- it's about like these teenage skateboarders who revolutionized the skateboard industry in the seventies yeah. okay. out of Miami, Florida, and they got Sean Penn to narrate, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like. Was it because Sean just needed a bit of money and you yeah. were like, oh, yeah. throw Sean this? See, on the flip My side, at the start of the year when Vox Lux came out, I was like, okay, I'm into this, like Natalie Portman. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Willem Dafoe starts narrating. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I did not expect... I did not know he was in this. And yeah. I kind of loved it for it. I was like... Really? Yeah, no, this is great. Like, Willem Dafoe He'll narrating things He'll is be good. amazing. Yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> I just, uh, I feel like it comes back to like in a documentary, especially in a factual yeah. environment, mm. the narrator should either be uh, participatory, so yeah. they should be someone who is like in seen on film. camera. Yeah. So a Morgan yeah. Spurlock, yeah. Is a big yep, yep. example, absolutely get him to narrate, or like uh, you know a uh, a Morgan a, Freeman like or, a, or yeah. not much of a penguin. Yeah. yeah, like a David Attenborough makes mm. sense because it's mm. like obviously animals can't talk for themselves. Yeah. So you want to get some iconic voice oh, to talk for me. Yeah. But and or things like uh, I don't know, like like, <laughs> like someone who's a little bit more like like you know Werner Herzog. You know, just like Grizzly okay, Man, yeah. who has this real iconic voice, but he's also the guy making the documentary. Mm. So it's like when the do- even if he's not seen on camera, if he's the guy who's directing the documentary. Yeah. It's appropriate if they have a good voice, mm, I think, because yep. it's like I'm making this documentary, so my voice is driving the meaning yeah. uh, and direction. It makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. If, if I get like Sean Penn or I get Iggy Pop to mm. talk about yeah, exactly. Banksy, it's yeah. like that makes no sense. If Banksy it, was it, talking about Banksy, it generally sounds like oh, he has a cool voice. Mm. Here's a mic, and yeah. it's Iggy Pop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like um, uh, the past couple of months I've been watching binging a of Louis through documentaries, mm. and what I really like about that is. Because he's a he's a British man, he's mm. quite humble and polite, and so he's approaching nice. all these very extreme groups of people, and he's just coming. And as a result, like it makes him investigating it feel quite, you know, humble and polite. Is he on camera? Yeah, he's on camera. Okay, so, but, and like, yeah. like he he comes at it from a like a curiosity standpoint. Mm. It's like, well, why do you actually think he he's not coming at it aggressively yeah. and yeah. being like. Like, because if he was American, and, like, he'd be like, oh, <laughs> Michael Moore. you know, like, why are you doing this? Like, yeah, you're, yeah. you're a horrible person, yeah, but he's like... Like the Michael Moore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Louis Theroux, he's just like, don't you think that's a little bit wrong, though? My, my favourite, I, I think... Honestly. If I'm looking back on, the like, the two documentaries that have stood out so far, we're at, like, mid-year now, pretty well, just over mid-year, um, is, and the two different ones, it's, it's obviously Tau, which we've yeah, talked about. Yeah, yeah. But people forget I watched Tickled. Oh, yes. And, so, I mean, yeah. I watched single too, eh? Yeah. yeah. And it's... The New Zealand Louis Theroux. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and his approach is so passive. He basically is talking about... He's talking to this guy who's, who's potentially yeah. touching kids or yeah. exploiting these young men. Yeah. And it's like... He just is so calm. Yeah, he's just like chill. a news reporter. Yeah. 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 Well, he's a journal. He's a journalist. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he kind of comes at it with a... He tries to not be... I mean, obviously, there will be a bias there, but he tries to be as impartial as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, if I recall, and this is very rough because it was a long time ago, this is like 120 films earlier or something like yeah. that. <laughs> uh, I think either him or the other guy he's making the documentary with is bisexual. And they, they mention, it's one of those things where it's yeah. like, it's not a part of the plot, but it sort of is because obviously there's some yeah. weird sort of like homo, you know, pedophilia going on here. Yeah. It's yeah. like, they mention it very, like, briefly in passing. They're like, oh, yeah, and he's a bisexual. 
um, because it had something to do with like one of the emails they got back. Mm. They yeah. Were, they were strangely getting called like a homo. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like randomly outlandish. Oh, no, yeah, uh, things uh, like that. Because David Farrier, he's he's gay. So. He's gay. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So it's like, and, yeah. yeah. And one of the first emails was like they're like, oh, we don't want to be associated with a gay journalist. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was, was like, like literally, like, yeah. it was the most innocent. Like, hey, we want to look into this. But I love and his and reaction. Jumps on his him. reaction was just like it was just weird. I never <laughs> <laughs> react. He's like <laughs> sitting at the desk. He's like, okay, <laughs> we've got like a weird scientist. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, like I, I, I completely agree. With, I still like, go watch Tickled. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Go watch um, Tickled. Well, I watched two more things. I watched a, um, I watched a short, a ah, oh, that's right, a Netflix short, and I watched. They a... have those on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. Apparently they yeah. do. Um, and I watched a film from about exactly twenty years ago. Um, oh, so the exactly film exactly twenty years ago. Well, <laughs> to this day, <laughs> it came out in nineteen ninety eight. Um, it's a. Oh. It's a Jim Jarmusch <laughs> film, not his directorial debut, but it's one of his early works. Um, now, the whole it... reason I watched this film is purely on the title alone. It's called Ghost Dog, colon, The Way of the Samurai. Nice. That's a, that's a fair jump from Patterson, right? Like... <laughs> yeah, so, so now he's doing like Patterson and stuff like that, The Dead Don't Die. Back in the 90s, he was doing Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. Now, walking into this movie, I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be like some room level, like, so bad, it's good kind of thing. Like, that title sounds ridiculous. It's it's, um, starring Forrest Whitaker as this. He's got uh, got cornrows and he's a samurai. Nice. But he's Black also nice. but he's also a hitman. <laughs> and so I thought I'm ready for like the biggest meme of Samurai a film. Samurai hitman. I you're selling you're selling Jarmu short there. Yeah, you love Patterson. Yeah, I love Patterson, but I thought I, I I thought I was getting into like some really cringy stuff. Ten minutes in I'm like, holy crap, this is actually quite good. <laughs> <laughs> like I my expectations were really low, but it was like really great. Yeah. Um it's literally the best way I can describe it, it's a quieter indie version of John Wick. Oh, okay. Um, Samurai ninjas. What I mean by quieter man. is there's less dialogue, uh, the, the there's less violent, or mm. less brutal violence. <laughs> and I mean, admittedly, the original John Wick would still sit in an indie category. Like, yeah, but, I guess I, but yeah. it's got Keanu, like he's got Keanu Reeves. It's kind of like a. I mean, like it's it's not super low budget, like yeah, in, yeah, it's sort of decent enough budget like, on there. Comparatively to Ghost Dog, like yeah, they have a much bigger yeah, like yeah, budget yeah. than Ghost Dog did. But um, and it's also like um, where, what I mean by quiet is like the camera doesn't well, there aren't as many edits. Like the camera tends to linger a lot more on some shots. Mm. Um, and I found this to be a very interesting film because it's a interesting kind of almost like. Kind of a meditation on the relevance of old traditional values and how they are applicable in an ever-changing society. Because, mm. you know, like, there's always that whole thing of, like, well, you know, my parents were brought up on this. Why do I need to follow these set of rules? You know, we've, you know, it's it's the 21st century kind of thing. It's like, well, actually, no, this film is... Well, it was 1998. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but this... Someone doesn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you know, like you know what I mean. Like, what, like when you grow up, you know, you 
you kind of there are some values that your parents hold that you yeah. disregard and you go, Oh I'm not gonna I'm not gonna follow that. I'm gonna create my own value set of beliefs and values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this film kind of explores that notion of well hang on a minute, there are some ancient values that are still quite applic- applicable. And it's essentially he's like this he's this like hitman who goes around and like beats up people but he honours the samurai code and he like follows it religiously mm. and he just it, it's a great way of like him like not losing control and like being disciplined with like who he targets and stuff like that. Yeah. How do you go from like samurai hitman <laughs> to guy who drives bus? Like yeah. basically. <laughs> like that like like think about like that. Yeah. Like, what a leap. No, no, but it's interesting you say that, because in Patterson, there's a subplot where he's reading a lot of poetry. Yes. Mm. And it, the poetry comes up on screen. Similarly with this film, um, every every 10 to 15 minutes, it would have excerpts of Forrest Whitaker narrating uh, chapters from this samurai book. I can't remember. I think it might have been Rashomon or something like that. He Or, it, like reading out these, like, chapters on, like, mm-hmm. how to live by the samurai code. So kind a, of... There is a particular book for that. I can't remember what it is, but yeah. there's, a, like, a book okay. that gets quoted a lot where mm. they were like, oh, it's the way of the samurai. But, like, he, uh, yeah, but, yeah, like yeah. he's actually reading out these passages. Yeah. And it re- reminded me a lot of the poetry that um, Adam Driver reads in, in Patterson, kind of like... Well, he writes it, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So... I mean, like, it's not too much of a leap for him, I, I don't think. I mean, obviously the title's a bit weird. It's got Forrest Whitaker in it, but, like, it's surprisingly <laughs> it's Yeah, Forrest Whitaker's so much weirder than Adam Driver. <laughs> 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 um, Hello, Ed, mate. Well, I mean, Forrest Whitaker, he's got the lazy uh-huh. eye, you know. I had a really. I mean, both in Star Wars I mean, movies. Let's be honest. We've, we've talked so much about uh, Last Jedi, but I did watch a really good video about uh, why oh. comedy kills that movie. <laughs> I thought it was a real valid video, mm. which I linked in the group chat that oh, Jake you? and I have. Did you? Um, yeah. Mm. Um, I've, I've seen the video. I just don't remember you linking it, but yeah. Oh, how comedy kills a movie! I saw it yonkies ago. I liked it. It was really good. Oh, well, that's so me, though. Like, yeah. whenever, I watch a, yeah. whenever I watch a YouTube video, I'm like, man, that'd be really good if I show my friend this. And then I've like, seen it like four years earlier, and I'm like, you're so old, man. Some yeah. of memes. Oh, I'm so bad with memes. Yeah. Oh, but uh, um, I saw another film. Um, it's interesting. I only just realised this just then. I watched two films where the main character has a lazy eye in them. Oh. <laughs> so mm. you got Forrest Whitaker, he's got the obvious, the lazy eye. Yeah. Um, but I also watched a Netflix short called Anima, which released last week. Um, Not Anima. I'm, I'm Anima. S- yeah. Anima. I'm sorry I didn't... I was meant to watch this in time for the show. Oh, you, I, you have failed me. I know. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm I'm so much other crap. This is his show now. We can kick yeah, it off. Yeah, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. But, yeah. <laughs> I would, week, I would love yeah, to like see Jesse a week, a weekly podcast of just <laughs> Jesse and Zeke. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have to change like the ZJ logo or anything. Yeah, like I'd have a J now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I am the J now because you can't be. Yeah. yeah. But um, Anima is a 2019 short uh, released on Netflix. Interesting, on the homepage it's credited as a Netflix short, but then mm. in the description it's... No, in the credits it was credited as... A Netflix presentation. Oh, okay. So it's like maybe if they if they did presentation, people could be like, "Oh, is this another like yeah. you know Black Mirror yeah. multi choice?" Like they could have got confused. So yeah, it's like, we need to tell people this is fifteen minutes long. Okay, well, based yeah, so it is actually interesting. Like you can, it is it falls in this weird gray area because it's a fifteen minute short film mm-hmm. on Netflix, but it's also an experimental dance film. 
and it's like a dance music video kind yeah. of thing. So it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> a music phase. It's essentially a music video. So confused. Mm. Um, and it's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, who did Boogie Nights and mm. uh, Phantom Thread and The Master. And the reason why I of mentioned disguise. The, yeah, and the, re- <laughs> the reason I mentioned uh, Lazy Eyes is because it stars uh, Tom York from Radiohead. Um, because famously he's also got a lazy eye. Mm, um, yeah. and it's um, it, <laughs> love those people that can't look where they're going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you mean career base? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so it's well, got a... still better than ours. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but it's a minute. It's not much of a story in there. It's like quite minimal. It's more of a meditative kind mm. of like, um, like uh, aesthetically pleasing piece and it's essentially like to sum it up it's about a man played by tom york he's after a girl and he's also after a lunchbox um, nice <laughs> the essential things in life yeah so <laughs> the reasons i love this is um stunning cinematography i'm not mm. sure who shot it but you know paul thomas anderson had like well, you, just, with some you think about people. that that yeah. intro of boogie nights yeah where yeah. it just oh, flies yeah, for through sure. Like he he works with some great cinematographers, so like I, like I love the cinematography in this. Mm. Um, it's also got stunning choreography too. Um, it's there's a lot of scenes where Tom York is dancing with this like big dance crew essentially, mm-hmm. and they're like, um, I'm uh, one scene in particular is the intro scene. They're all sitting on this train and they're all trying not to fall asleep. But they're doing that thing where like they spasm back and forth. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's just very like interesting how they're all like kind of like it's a very energetic film. It's like, very musical. All, yeah, it's very musical. Like it, yeah, it feels like a musical essentially. Um, and the music composition because it's like composed by Tom York, of course, it sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's groundbreaking for Netflix because it yeah it just blurs the line of like, well, is this a music video or is this a short film or like. What is this kind of thing? It's just fifteen minutes of footage. Couldn't get more appropriate that Radiohead's in the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the middle of an experimental. Yeah. Is it Thorn Yorkie? Is that it? Tom New York. Tom York. Tom York. Thorn York. Why is it Thorn on my phone? It's yeah, Tom York. It's the Swedish version of your phone. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, um, I got a new phone. <laughs> I would say like. It's an. I would. I would call it an essential viewing for film students. Maybe not necessarily casual uh, viewers because they might. Mm-hmm. They might not connect with it as much. But I'd say it's an essential viewing for film students because a. It's fifteen minutes long. It's not going to mm-hmm. take that much time. You were yeah. complaining about run times earlier. Time. Like yeah. you can literally like it's the length of a YouTube video essentially, um, and also just like in terms of like it's very just interesting and like quite creative in terms of its lighting and its experimental techniques and how it manages to it doesn't have a huge story but it tells this story of this guy with no dialogue at all and just like rhythm and movement mm-hmm. essentially yeah um so i just found that like quite interesting i like would strongly recommend you check it out like even if you don't like it just watch it for the visuals and the music yeah um, but it's interesting because um Shortly afterwards, about a day or so later, Tom York actually released a 49-minute album to complement this, and it's essentially 
the music that is in that, but extended out. Oh, cool. So, like, if you don't, like, you know, if you watch the short film, like, and you like the music, it's like, well, you've also got the album to listen to. Yeah, the complimentary yeah. piece sort of thing. A crazy sort of mix. Yeah. So you can watch the, the short film on Netflix, 15 minutes long, or you can listen to the album on, on Spotify. Um, yeah, I would strongly recommend it. Groovy. Very nice. Well, I'm, sh- I'm trying to figure out the um, cinematographer for it. Yeah. Um, I, but I'm, uh, I'm having an incredibly hard time I, doing it, actually. I really want to rewatch it, because obviously it's only 15 minutes long. Like, I just want to rewatch it and like mm-hmm. just absorb some yeah. of those shots of it. Is that more. right? That's it there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Anima. I think I found it then. Yeah. Uh, Who are we looking at for these? It is. Bear with us, uh, Cinema Sideshow. Well, I also managed to catch Training Day. Oh, okay. Which is Ethan Hawke and Denzel Washington. What do you think? I thought it was okay. It was one of those. Honestly, I've gotten to this point where it's like you get this many films in, you you really want something that's going to like stick in your head. Yeah. Um and. It was fine. It was a good film. Uh, it won. It got Denzel at least nominated for an Oscar. Okay, I think it might have won. He might have won for it. Oh. Um, I'll but check that. No, I'm pretty. <laughs> I'm pretty. But it, you know, it was okay. It was. It's two good actors being good actors. So yeah, that's what you need ooh, sometimes. It was nothing like. What did you find? Okay, so shot by Darius. I'm sorry. I'm going to butcher this name. Conji. I would say that's Conji. Oh, it was Conji. That was it. And he directed. Oh no, he was the cinematographer for The Lost City of Z, The Immigrant, and Seven. Oh, the David Fincher look film. At that. I like Lost City of Z. So that, I think that was that was who I was on when I passed. Yeah. It to you. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I was. Yeah. It's got a very young Tom Holland. Lost Lost uh, oh. City of Z and Charlie Hunnam. Hunnam. Yeah, and nice. I like Charlie Hunnam. That's Tom nice. Holland, the original director of Child's Play. <laughs> <laughs> no, a little baby boy from Little Spider Boy. Sorry for interrupting. Uh, no, look, <laughs> honestly, didn't right. have much to say about Training Day. Um, I want to stress. I rewatched last night after uh watching Blind Spotting a couple nights ago, which yeah. we'll talk about in the second half of the show. Um, Ooh. I watched uh Everybody Wants Some a second time. Yeah, Rich, yeah. Richard Linklater's uh. Spiritual sequel to Days and Confused, and I would love to emphasize it is on YouTube, uh, no, on Netflix right now, and everyone go watch it because it's really, really good. Oh. Um, I pretty nice. much watched the uh, I'm gonna get this right, uh, the Drifter right? trilogy. Uh, I haven't heard about this. Okay, so this is uh, the uh, this is Fistful of Dollars, yeah. a few dollars more. Oh, yeah, and the yeah, good, yeah, the bad, the ugly. yeah, for sure. No, no I have heard of this. Uh, <laughs> Oh my god, Jesse! I can't believe you! Sergio Leone's uh, Quintessential <laughs> 3. Um, yeah. And I remember a couple of years ago, one of our tutors at Murdoch University, Damien Fasolo, wrote his thesis, I think. Oh, okay, I didn't even Sergio know. Sergio Leone. And boy, Very oh nice. boy, I can see why DOP, mm. like uh, Damien Fasolo, wrote on this guy, because it was pretty next level. Mm. Um, Very he nice. talked about the whole like, Quintessential Spaghetti Western stuff. Um, I don't think either any of those three films... I, I graded them all together because it's a trilogy. You might as well just put them all together. So if you have to write three separate film analysis. Yeah, but does that count as three uh, films though now? It does. Dude, it's yeah. nine hours of film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Get off it. Um, uh, not as good as Once Upon a Time in the West. I, I think that's the mm. that's the quintessential spaghetti western. And um, other than that... I watched, and you can guys can cringe this, I watched an Adam Sandler film. Oh, you didn't watch that new one, did you? No, I watched That's My Boy. 
No, that's no, even no, worse. No, that's no. like, that's like his worst film. That's, uh, that's like worse than Jack and Jill. Uh, I haven't given well, it its, gra- its, its official be, grade it's yet, but yeah. I'm real like, it's either that or Kissing Booth. Dude, Duke there's in incest in that movie. <laughs> there is actual incest in that movie. And I, <laughs> I, I, I honestly thought in cinema there this was a set of taboo... Th- oh, wait, who are we doing? We have Jesse on the show. He brought us fucking dog tooth. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, there is incest. Yeah, I know. There's, there's difference between incest and dog tooth and incest in a fucking Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> I just thought... At least before, the August is trying to say something. <laughs> we're, going, we're going into a very well, deep sorry, and quite mate. premeditative conversation in the mm. second half of the show. I thought I'd ease the tension with a bit of that's my boy. Okay. It is trash. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Two out of ten. <laughs> well, is, it is so bad. It, you know, there's this funny thing where it's like, I feel like he's just having fun at this point, taking the piss out of everyone. He's like trolling yeah. the universe. I think he really is. I think okay. I think Adam Sandler is incredibly self-aware mm. of what he's doing. He knows he's a meme now. So it's <laughs> just, and he's like, who's who's the equivalent meme woman? Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> <laughs> like, they are the two biggest memes of all. You, you say to me, Jennifer Aniston is a serious actress, and it's gonna be really awkward if I meet her one day, and she is this. <laughs> but, like, geez Louise. Like, yeah. have you seen Where the Millers? Have you seen movies where it's just like, she's just shamelessly I've not out. seen Where the Millers actually. Oh. That's actually okay, though. It's not terrible. It's okay. not terrible. Okay. Well, but that's that's all Ed Helms, I think. Ed yeah, Helms has been cool. Well, speaking of taking the piss, yes, I, I I forgot to mention I actually watched something that I don't think Zeke watched was um the Western Derby. I didn't. You didn't watch the Western <laughs> no, Derby. No, we're not allowed to talk about. We're not going to talk about the Western Derby. We're not allowed to talk about video games. We're not allowed to talk Just a bit of context for the listener. No. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, Zeke follows a team. I follow the Freo Dockers. Yes, and I follow the Crosstown rivals of that team, which came first and won a premiership last year. Fuck off. Now, I went into this <laughs> thinking, okay, the Fremantle Dockers, oh they're probably going to lose, but they'll put up a fight oh and it'll be God. an interesting game where, where you know, it might be neck and neck kind of thing because there have been derbies in the oh, past. There's going to be a neck going do. down in a minute if you keep talking. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the game finishes. 91 point margin. Thank you for that. Fremantle scores two goals. It's true. And like a record breaking <laughs> number of behinds. <laughs> and they hit the post so many times uh, it's not even No, in all seriousness, I, I didn't watch it. I, I did watch it. I was in Fremantle <laughs> with my brother. Oh, no. And... Uh, and and my friend Morgan and I can tell oh, you no. by the end of the game oh, no. I was out of commission because I was at the <laughs> National Hotel which is a local okay. hotel in Fremantle I was pretty much borderline past the fuck out by the end of it Gosh. because it was embarrassing to watch. It was the most thoroughly entertaining game of football I've seen uh, in a while. It, actually, I'm actually kind of glad you bring it because I was so this was Friday night wasn't it? Yeah I Saturday. Got, so, oh, so I was saying, yeah, yeah. you're correct. I I just gotten back from the 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 main store Banksy screening. Yeah, and I had a a rap party. I mentioned episode thirteen. I want to say I worked on Otto. I finally had their rap party this weekend, and I was like, I'll probably go. Like I'm yeah. not fussed. And I was like, I kind of want to. I kind of wanted to stay in tonight, finish my game, or whatever. And then I walk past the corner, and I'm like, oh, what's going on? Because the whole family, my my yeah. my brother and his <laughs> girlfriend, my sister and her boyfriend, they're all over to watch the game. Now, what's going on? Oh my god! And I looked at the screen. I was like, 
I'm definitely not going to that rap party. Full of Eagles supporters. <laughs> yeah. The greatest comedy of all time, the 50th Western Derby. That was yeah. the 50th. Yeah, it yeah. was. And the funniest That's thing is the wow, margin okay. was so eerily similar to the first derby. <laughs> it was like the first derby, West Coast won by I think 85 yes. points. Yeah. And this one they won by 91. So yeah. they got to go extra more. Yeah. Uh-huh. Would have really funny if it was two 85 point wins. I think like... the funniest thing for me about that, that game is like a couple of hours beforehand, like the West Coast, like their star player, Josh Kennedy, announces... Yeah. Oh, I'm sick. I'm not playing today. Yeah, and I everyone's heard that like, too. "Oh no, that too. we've lost Josh Kennedy." And it's like, yeah. then they win by nine. I heard that points. too, and I was like, "Oh, we're safe. We're good." Yeah. <laughs> really? I did not even. I actually said remotely. I said four hours before I went. Frio are going to lose this game by ninety points, and I was I was one point off. I actually, <laughs> I, I, I I would have put a bet down. That's how confident I was. We a didn't jack have... bet. I would have. Uh, um, if I had done it with Jake, <laughs> I would have Try and get my name in something. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, honestly, yeah, it was it was pretty embarrassing. But yeah. um, we didn't have a forward line. Um, <laughs> didn't have any. Is this a sports podcast? <laughs> yeah. We've now t- no, well, it's my podcast now, yeah. so we're turning it into a sports I'm not allowed to talk about Spyro. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes Spyro. Jesse, like Jesse's Spyro. literally playing to my one weakness. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, uh, all right, let's bridge into the, uh, oh, well, the movie well, of the week. No, I've, I've still got stuff I haven't seen. I don't want this to be the longest episode in the world, yes. but I've still got a couple things I okay. can breeze over. I might save... Do we want to save... I don't know. what. What's your history with Stranger Things? Do either of you... Watch first season, haven't watched uh, season two. Also okay. watched the first season, haven't watched... I've seen half of season two episodes. Seen one. one. Yeah, oh, okay. that's that, 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 <laughs> me oh, too. Oh, there <laughs> well, what I might do, I might save... Save my, that for later. I'll save part. it for next week, the yes. Strange Things discussion, because I'm, I'm also planning to watch another TV show mm-hmm. or, um, next week, so I can kind of bop okay. up on all that. Yeah. But I, what, before I go on to that, there's one more film I've seen. Um, called the Pixar Story, Ooh. and what this is is an hour and a half documentary on the history of Pixar, and it leads up to about um two thousand and seven. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they they brush over Ratatouille. I think they mentioned Cars, so it's around two thousand six, two thousand seven era. Um, and I really, it was a good documentary. It was, it wasn't like a, a mind blowing. Like, how tower. Pixar makes their movies. Well, just kind of the history of it and like a lot how they made that the shorts and kind of grew up as a company. Is that on Netflix? No, I had to I had to kind of go out of my way to find this one. I think it's on the Wally Blu-ray like disc two, so it's like a, like a bonus feature sort of thing. <laughs> if only I had the Wally disc two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a little like hidden, but I heard about the stock and I was like, I really want to watch this, so I did mm. and. No, like I said, I really enjoy it. It's like the history, them growing up, and especially like those first few films. There's a lot about the first Toy Story, and I really loved... They actually... I was shocked by this. I think I told you, Jesse, as well. They Mm. actually have the footage, because Pixar was kind of... They were doing all these shorts, and they were kind of revolutionising the animation industry, but they weren't really getting much in the way of, like, financial benefits, like, coming back. Yeah. Um, And Steve Jobs, uh, who... I'm so glad he had a lot to do with Stocker. He was immensely interviewed in this... Because um, I feel like, I'm sure it's not, but I feel like his role in Pixar is a little under-realized mm-hmm. um, today. So I'm glad he was in this a lot. Um, and he was like the dude who kind of helped them be like, no, we can turn the ship around. And they were given the green light to make their first CGI full animated feature, which would go on to be Toy Story. Wow. And they've actually got the footage of like those heads coming back to the Pixar offices and telling the rest of the team, be like, we're making a feature film. We're That's making great. the first feature film. 
CJ and like everyone's like, are you kidding me? Like, holy God. And they're all celebrating. So I'm like, that footage exists. Mm, that's that's so amazing. cool. Um, so if you have an interest in that, you can track down the doco, the, uh, the Pixar story. No and, um, you can't friend, friend, friend. They do interview Randy, uh, yeah, Randy, Randy Newman. Newman. You can't Before we go into the movie of the week, uh, does yeah. anyone have any career thing they'd like to talk about? Um, <laughs> do we seek? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you two have something to talk uh, about. I think I'm going to hold uh, off on ours for a little bit longer. Yeah, but let's, let's let the dust settle. <laughs> a little fresh wounds right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mentioned that um, Disconnected, the DVD has been sent to the classification board. So they're currently reviewing the DVD. Um, and yeah, and August next month, it comes out. So I'll keep yeah. you up to date on that. Yeah. And there might be a couple of. Short film announcements coming relatively soon. Yeah, we'll find out what they are. We'll find yeah, out. We we'll find out who, what, and what's going on with those. <laughs> uh, just gonna just wait for us to turn off the record button, Zeke. <laughs> <laughs> just press the off button, but it's not off. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Off yeah. the recording. Broadcast, broadcast to like the radio station citywide. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, one. let's break into our movie of the week, Jesse. This is your podcast. What are we watching? Oh, so we are watching the 29, uh, 2018 film, sorry. Uh, Blind Spotting. What is this? Oh, oh, oh this. hey, hey, I, I would like to get out. Look at this. I'm better one in the glove, though. Yeah. I ain't trying to go back to jail. $200 Please let for me Collins. Out. Not Collins' gun. Very nice. Oh, I just got an Uber pickup. <laughs> you got it. Colin must make it through his final three days of probation for a chance at a new beginning in his Oakland, Californian neighbourhood. His bond with his volatile best friend soon gets tested when Colin sees a police officer shoot a suspect in the back during a chase through the streets. Mm, things soon come to a head when the buddies attend a party an upscale home of a young and wealthy tech entrepreneur. Blind spotting! That was horrific, guys. That was very well rehearsed. <laughs> and now we're going to end the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for watching, guys. You guys don't actually get a blind spotting review. We are literally just singing blind spotting. <laughs> like, subscribe, check yes. us out next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know uh, whose DVD I got. I got it off you. Je this is Jesse. So it's my Blu-ray. Yeah. This is made the now, rounds. So why is why do we all have to borrow your copy? Okay, Jesse? so the story behind this is. Um, let me just find in my notes here. Okay. Oh, so, so basically, there's a little bit of a timeline here. Um, so the film premiered at Sundance Film Festival in January of 2018. Got a US theatrical release in July of 2018. Um, I started to hear a bit of buzz about it towards the end of the fear like, uh, uh, year, like November, December of 2018. Yeah. I feel um, like that's when I heard it too. I mean, I listened yeah. through film spotting. Uh, uh, and they started talking about it around yeah, that time. Blind too. So I started to hear about it around Oscar or like awards season, basically. Um, and but there was no sign of an Australian release at all. Yeah. Um, it got to the point where I was like, "Hang on a minute, this film's been out a while in America. Like, mm. when's this coming out?" It got to the point where I caught a flight, like a domestic flight, over to Melbourne in January. And I was looking through their catalogue, yeah. and one of them was blind spotting. And I was like, hang on a minute. We, <laughs> we didn't get a theatric. Like, it's just here. Like, there's, yeah. like there's, there's no announcement of a DVD, no announcement of any screenings at all. Yeah. Like, what's going on? So I watch it on the plane on the little shitty, like, headphones that oh, they no. give you. And I'm like, turn it up full volume. Yeah. Um, 
surprisingly like captivated me the entire like time. I was nice. like on the edge of my seat whilst also like you know they got like the food coming down yeah, the hallway yeah. there and they're asking a million you. miles in the air, <laughs> yeah, million I, miles in the air. I, I feel like everyone's had a film on the plane that yeah. has completely done that sort of effect, yeah. where it's like it doesn't matter what for some reason you get lost in that shitty six inch oh, screen. You know what? I watched Marley and Me on the plane, yeah. and I. Fucking cried oh, on boy. a plane, man. But that was yeah. But then to continue on with the timeline, I got home and I tried to like find, like do a bit of research on like trying to find out where I can watch this. Yeah. Is there any, is on any streaming services? I did like I did a whole search like on every platform ever. Yeah, could not find a single thing. I had to resort to ordering a Region B Blu-ray from the UK. And I got it shipped <laughs> all the way from the other side of the world. Nice. That's why it doesn't have the Australian classification yep. on it. Okay. And now the day after it came, some genius decided to add it on iTunes, Australian iTunes. <laughs> so I got it in the mail and then it just got added. And I was I like, didn't that. thank you. But I like having physical, physical copies. copies yeah. so Plus I you get all that, the bonus features and yeah, stuff is on yeah. there too. But I was just so annoyed. I was like, I went through all of that. That's all hilarious. this research. I didn't know it was on iTunes. Yeah, it just got That's released hilarious. on iTunes. I was like, thanks. <laughs> I think... Um, uh, we should just go for a general roundtable, yep. uh, general consensus of the film. Yeah. Uh, so we'll throw it to the host first. The Jesse. host, yeah. <laughs> Clearly you like this film a lot. Oh, I honestly, I I knew that it was uh, had all this buzz. Yeah. So I kind of had a bit of an expectation going in, but I was kind of like, I'm on a plane, I'm not really, I'm just watching something for the fun of it. Like, I'm not here to have a super, like, engaging cinematic experience because I'm just mm-hmm. on a plane. I'm just yeah wanting to kill time. It, like, was so fascinating. Like, I mm-hmm. it genuinely, like, shocked me at parts. I was like, holy crap, this is so much more than what I thought it was going to be. And I, like, it, and it shows because, like, that was the start of my holiday and throughout the entire holiday I was thinking about that. Yeah. And the couple weeks after that I was like, why am I still thinking about this movie kind of mm. thing? Like, it's in the back of my mind. So I had to, like, that's that's what led me to, like, buying the Blu-ray. I'm like, I need to watch this again. Mm. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I'll elaborate more, but, like, what do you guys think? Well, um, I mean, I ended up watching... You lent this movie to me, the Blu-ray yeah. copy we talked about. You lent it to me a long time ago, actually. About I a think couple of months ago. It must have been... It probably was, like, when we did Marie Antoinette. Cause yeah, I think, I think it was. We yeah. would have sat down. You probably gave it to me then. Yeah. So that's a couple of months now I've just been sitting on film. And eventually I knew, like, i got to return it to him. i gotta, <laughs> I got to watch it. Yeah. And I watched it and um, actually I put it on my... I, I There's a significance. I played it on my PlayStation because my PlayStation is probably the best Blu-ray player in my house. Okay. Because it looked impeccably good on that on the wow. plane yeah. of that system. Um. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point you bring it up because I mentioned so many films lately just just don't grab at me in the sense that I forget about them. Mm. I watch something, I kind of forget about. It. I was like, oh yeah, I watched it. Yeah, it's fine. In terms of this film sticking with you, is so accurate because mm. you're right. This film has not left my brain for a very long time. I've watched it maybe two or three weeks ago now, and I mentioned it on the show when mm. I did, but obviously didn't talk about it until now. Um, this film it really did blow me away. In sense that virtually everything about it, in terms of like the script, is just so tight. Mm. The cinematography is just so grabbing, especially very particular scenes. Um, and the the two actors, and we, we can get into their involvement in film yeah. in a moment. They are so fucking good in this. They film. are great. 
And yeah, th- this film blew me away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you both have <laughs> You've said exactly what this, this film deserves. It's, yeah. um, it's so clever. Um, it's one of those films that, I mean, I, we talked about it. I talked about it in the first half of the show. When you're this many films into the year, and this is one of those things that when you did the 365 last year. Yeah. Attempted and to. I don't know. Well, I don't know if I'm going to get to 365 in all seriousness, yeah. but I'm going to give it a, the, the reddest hot go I can. Give it a cold um, try. Maybe, maybe it will come back to it next year, 2020, and see which mm. one of us can actually get there. But oh, definitely um, not me. <laughs> but I think um, when you get to this, is literally film 150, and um, okay, wow, uh, and you get to that point. I watched it. Saturday, and we're recording right now on the Monday, and this obviously comes out tonight, and um, it's it's one of those films that needed to blow me away. Mm. Otherwise, yeah, they just go. There was nothing wrong with things like Training Day, but it's mm. like I'm not going to really remember even watching Training Day by the end of this. You know, there mm. yeah. there are films that just re- resonate with you, and yeah. I talked about Nebraska a couple of podcasts yeah. ago, having that residual effect, or Tower having that effect, or even Tickled. To that extent, you know, like... It tickled you, funny bone. Yeah, and this film has a moment in it, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, that literally gave a verbal, oh my fucking God, no. Yeah. And I think you probably both know the scene I'm going to be talking about. I I think it might be all of our Uh, highlights. (laughs) And you're like, oh my fucking God, no. And (laughs) it actually made me say that out loud. Yeah, yeah. And that's how glued this film was from post Mm. to post. And I remember you saying before I watched it, I wish this film went on 20 minutes longer or you wish it, I wish it was longer. kept going. Yeah. And I 100% agree with but you. But in saying that, like, yeah, I completely agree with that. But, like, I think it's a perfect, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think any longer and it could have run risk of, like, saying steam. it's welcome a little bit. But that, we, we will touch on that scene that I think we're all thinking about at the yeah. moment. Mm. Um, that final scene works really well as a final scene like it hmm. it happens and then the film just ends and you're like yeah oh crap Come i mean on. it comes back to uh you'd rather leave your audience mm. wanting more than absolutely feeling kind of sluggish and wishing it ended at a different point yeah mm. exactly yeah. I, that's that's just the 100 percent true yeah but yeah um, this film. <laughs> I, I i don't know this film needs to be watched by people and it's a crime that it took that long to get yeah. here to go on iTunes. Um, I'm, really, guys, I'm honest, really glad it is on iTunes yeah, because, because people can watch it here. Watch yeah. it on iTunes. If if you're all about physical media, pay that little bit extra and order it from the UK because it is worth it. Yeah. Um, I think my my thing is the argument they've probably made why it hasn't had such a big Australian push mm. is obviously it addresses um, more so the issue between you know white and African Americans in America yeah. and the counter could be... Well, yeah, sorry. Uh, like, the, the point could be made that it's like, oh, well, it's only focusing on the American issue, but I mm. think it's obviously got a... Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, well, yeah, that's the thing is, like, um, I've got in my notes here, is that, like, there is... One, one of the things they really do bring up is this idea of gentrification. And, yeah, I, I don't know if you guys studied geography or, like... Um, like, like I live in Perth. We know some states. Yeah. (laughs) No, like in high school, like your S&E or... Yeah. Don't talk about S&E. Like you'd learn about gentrification, which is the process of renovating an area to appeal to middle-class tastes, essentially. Um, 
So this film, yeah, essentially discusses the gentrification process that leads to a loss of... Okay, yes, there are some areas in this town, uh, in the city of Oakland, that are improved, quotation marks, but, like, it's at the expense of a loss of history and culture. Um, you know, the there are minority groups that are silenced in favour for what majority, mm. like the white like the white middle class one. Now, yeah. when people say, oh, this shouldn't have gotten an Australian distribution because it's all about Amer- uh, Americans and African-Americans and the racial divide, mm. I'd actually disagree with that because, like, it's actually quite a universal kind of theme, yeah, this idea of gentrification. Is, yeah. It remind Like, if we're taking this in an Australian context, we look at the way we've treated in the past the indigenous population here. I was and, really going to say that, yeah. And, and so. how they had a particular way of living back mm-hmm. in the day and the white people came along and they thought, oh, no, we're, we're making all these improvements and we're going to help you. Mm-hmm. But that's not what that group of people needed kind of thing. You know, it's like they they thought they were helping and mm-hmm. and because they're quote quote unquote more civilized, but it's like no, it's it, they yeah. You know? Well, to an extension of that, I also feel like this film also emphasizes a really clever thing where it's like it's not necessarily because they're African American; it's because they're kind of poorer. Yeah. Too, there is a real yeah. like class differentiation. Class which, divide. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a serious persecution, and it's huge. Even mm. in Perth, it's a really like present thing there are the rich people and then you know it's like comes back to and this is real local talk but it's mm. like the resentment we have for people that live in like places like rockingham or armadale right, who, yeah. who live in these yeah. smaller areas who are slowly getting progressively pushed out mm. as mm. urban sprawl exists and yeah. there's more like there there's the whole frio hipsters kind of like taking over the culture of what Fremantle is yeah. here. Like, I mean, like, even just the north and south side of the river. Well, yes. Well, yeah. It's interesting because I've recently gotten some employment in Fremantle and I've been talking to uh, some of my colleagues there and they've been talking about how the cost of living in Fremantle has gone up. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a lot of these, like, low-income earners, like, not being even able to afford to, like, live there, essentially. Yeah. So it is very app- applicable to our society here it's not just it just so happens to be set in oakland but you can get elements of it and apply it to a lot of western cities absolutely and what happens is it's the the wealth uh invades local culture and takes over and sort of Mm. oppresses and then talks down to people that were raised in that place a certain way Mm. and just because they're a little bit different, they get a press for it. I mean, the mm. the central two characters here, mm. uh, particularly, um, is it Colin? It's Colin. Colin and, um, and um, sorry, I had his name. I, I should name two actually. Uh, Colin's the white guy though. No, no. Uh, 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 Miles and Colin. So Miles, Miles is Raphael Casal, okay. and Colin is David Diggs. Miles' character okay. in this film, particularly, what this film does really well that I really like is how they both have separate stories but both reflect relatively similar ideas sometimes. They but do, also, yeah. Um, and they both tackle... This film is way... We talked about it. It's subtle. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit yeah. more like... Like, for example, Miles gets resented for the fact that the way he dresses and stuff and it's mm. stuff that we do he, in... He, he kind of almost like... And they comment upon this. He kind of appropriates some of, like, African-American culture and all that mm-hmm. and he speaks ghetto and all that yeah. kind of thing mm-hmm. and like like there's a moment where an african-american character like calls him out on it and he's like 
why are you speaking like that? You know, yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of like, it's, this is stupid. Why don't you just speak like I but do? It's, it's the perfect reflection yeah. of how like class differentiation yeah. is now excelling at where it's like, oh, you're, you're different. You're speaking at a level that's inferior to me and I'm going to make you feel inferior. And they even flip that on its head when later on Colin, you know, it's that argument of like, is he allowed to say the N-word or yeah. is he allowed, does he even want to? Does yeah. he want permission to use the N word? Yeah, and that's a whole thing. Like just a scene later, they're going, "That's oh, it's so yeah. good." It's yeah. it's it's got some really clever subtext. Yeah, like, really clever subtext. And I think what really like drives this film is Raphael Casal and David Diggs. Mm. So they play the two main characters in the film. Um, they have amazing chemistry together. Um, they're lifelong friends, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so from doing <laughs> obvious, <laughs> up, they are actually childhood friends. Um, and so it makes sense that they naturally interact with each other. Yeah. Um, and I find it interesting, and this is something I alluded to earlier, that neither of them really come from film backgrounds. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, Raphael Cassell has some experience with some short films, from what I've heard. Okay. Um, but. Mainly, David Diggs, uh, who plays uh, Colin, he's a rapper, and mm-hmm. he's also a theatre actor. He um, is one of the main cast in the Hamilton musical. Oh. Yeah. I didn't wow. know that. Yeah. That's so, like, because I, I mentioned this movie to my sister, and she's a huge mm-hmm. Hamilton fan, and yeah. she's like, hang on a minute, that's a guy from Hamilton. I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Twist plot. Yeah, yeah. so that's so, awesome. so David Diggs is involved with like Hamilton and stuff like that. So he comes from a theatre background, and he's also made a couple of music videos with the director of this film, Carlos Lopez Estrada. That's know. another thing I really want to mention real quickly. This is episode five, mm-hmm. so this is technically a director's corner, which we haven't actually oh, yeah. made no- mention of. But this is his directorial debut. <laughs> how do you how do you go from this? I don't know. Yeah, I'd be so scared after this. I'd be so one scared. and done. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like like we've on previous director corners, we've we've highlighted some strengths and some weaknesses of yeah. all of them, right? Um, like Wes Anderson, it's fair to say after Bottle Rocket, there were films that were better than Bottle Rocket. That he oh, did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with Nolan, definitely. There were, even though that wasn't technically, it was his second film. Yeah. But even over the course of that time, yeah. it was very hard to top this. Yeah. <laughs> like, like with like things like Memento that are really good films, there was still room for that next level that we then mm. saw them go to. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, even Joseph Gordon-Levitt and stuff like that, who, yeah. if they ever make a second film, yeah. they have that, that, that next... Yeah. yeah. Mm. But it's really hard with it this is, film. For sure. It's the reason I even mentioned it, because you were talking about it, is that it's interesting the history of the, the two protagonists in this film are like the, obviously the actors mm-hmm. and yeah. their involvement in this film. It's interesting that anyone other than them who directed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but in saying that, um, though, they are the ones that produced it and they yeah. wrote it as well. So yeah, they didn't direct it, but they did have a hell of a lot of credit control, control over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Literally the director was there to just, I don't know, maybe, like, help guide them. and Yeah, they and, needed well, a director yeah, sort of thing. Well, yeah. and, and I think it uh, comes down to they don't come from film backgrounds, and I mm. think the director was mainly there to be mm. like, hey, this is how you translate this story you want to tell yeah. into a film. It was, um, so this uh, 
Carlos Lopez Estrada. Okay, I'm just going to call him Estrada. Or Carlos. Or Carlos. It's funny, that's probably uh, the one word I butchered last week. Um, so, <laughs> so, with Estrada, he's had a background of music videos, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so you can see oh, the music. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Like, yeah, you can yeah. absolutely see it. Like, particularly with that final scene and oh, the yeah. use of colour in that scene is very, like, mm. all right, yeah, you know your music videos. Are, and uh, Big Shot, like, continually, it's like their call, like a calling card shot is that one where... Every time Miles leaves his home, and then it pans down to the the uh, shop next door. Oh, and yeah. that tracking dolly left. That's yeah. a very like start of a music video that's sort true, of shot. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking that when I was watching it, I was like, because of the heavy uh, rap implications, which mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about and cover. Yeah. Um, I was I didn't do any sort of like look into the background, but I was like, I feel like these guys are from musical backgrounds because oh, the way yeah. it's a similar way that Fincher did a lot of his sort of stuff. Cause he worked on so many music videos yeah. earlier on. You can see the elements of that sort of eighties and nineties music videos in his work. And, yeah. and you can definitely see it in this film quite prevalent from things like that or the central flame, like that central placement, low angle shot yeah. where yeah. Miles is addressing the hair salon. Yeah. Almost. Like that. <laughs> That's, That's a scene. great scene. Yeah. That's so great. Where it's this sort of arrogant preach thing that happens a lot in rap videos yeah. where it's yeah. that sort of like, yeah, this guy's commanding the room. Much yeah. as in a music video, you command the music video. So <laughs> yeah. Go, going back to what we talked about earlier about um, uh, Miles um, speaking, you know, in a certain way, yeah. Um, uh, I I just love that scene where they're trying to sell the boat, and oh, yeah. what, like what, this African American yeah. guy pulls up in his car, mm. and they're having this like back and forth like quote conversation, and then like you have no idea what they're talking about. They're yeah. all speaking in slang, and then like Miles just walks away, and like Colin's like, "What did he say?" It's like. I don't know. <laughs> but he gave him the money. <laughs> he gave him the money. I don't know. <laughs> it's so good. Just like that, that is an example of when shot reverse shot works beautifully. Oh, like yeah, that kind of sure. scene. That yeah, is that. what you want your shot reverse shot to yeah. be. But um, uh, uh, feeding into something that you alluded to just a couple of minutes ago, um, Rafael Casal, um, not surprisingly, he actually does come from a... Ooh, what's... I feel like it's some secret mm. coded messages. Oh, secret code messages. Um, Raphael Casal, he actually comes from a um, poetry background. Um, okay. There's been a lot of works where, like, he got recognised for... Uh, he was in some national, like, American poetry competition or something like that. Yeah. And it really shows, because, like, rapping is essentially, like, spoken poetry. Mm. You know? there, yeah. like, there it are really many, is. There are many parallels between the two and, and like, you know, you, how, how you... How you articulate the words and in mm. what, yeah. There's a real art to rapping. There is. Yeah, okay, it's so this, insane. Well, this is the funny thing, um, and I have to apologise to our beloved Jack Bet, on, uh, <laughs> oh, regular no. cinema sideshow uh, alum alumni. <laughs> um, no, honestly, uh, when we get in the car with Jack, Jack's always playing rap, right? Yeah. And we he always shits on Jake and I's musical taste. We have way more similar music tastes than Jack does. Yes. And admittedly, a lot of rap I kind of throw into the it's It's all the same. It's arse and tits most of the time. Like it, very uh, most one of the time, note absolutely. sort of nothing. But this film Oh boy, wowie. Yeah. It is. Oh boy, wowie. <laughs> and, and I love musical sort yeah. of films. And this one does this thing that I've never really seen, I don't think, in a film before, in this way, where it's like 
when they're talking to each other and then busting raps, at first it's so not on the nose. It's just kind of the way that they kind of kill time as they're yeah, yeah. yeah. They're just like, yeah, this is what we've been doing since we were kids. So mm. it really is real subverted and you don't even notice it. Mm. And then, but then it's all just little, you know, cookie crumbs leading for to that. For the ending. Yeah. For the ending. Yeah. And that ending, I don't think I've ever been like that, like, Shook. Oh, <laughs> it was shook is the perfect way of describing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're well, like, oh, well, it's next level. Well, I mean, like, it, like the music does really play like a huge emphasis in this film. Mm. Um, if you're wanting a bit of additional, mm. like, um, extracurricular <laughs> research, um, I would strongly <laughs> recommend going on Spotify oh, or like whatever your music streaming services and checking out. Um, it should be Spotify. The, uh, the soundtracks <laughs> for this movie. There's two soundtracks. It's called uh, so one of them is called Blind Spotting uh, the the Colin EP and one's called uh, Blind Spotting the Miles EP. Oh, and so basically divided them up. One of them is blue. One of the so it's like red pill, blue pill kind of thing. Yeah. And so they got like five or six songs, and they're and yeah, one of them's like more central towards the Miles character, and then one of them's more central towards the Colin character. That's really very funny. interesting to listen to. I personally prefer the Colin one more, but. Definitely worth listening to if you love the music in this. Cause... You're saying that you don't want to you don't want to appear racist there, mate. No, <laughs> I think I <laughs> most film yeah. outright like off the top of my head. I don't think I've had a film talk about this level of class or race differentiation. This smart, this like like not on the nose. Mm. Like mm. you know, it's funny in years gone by we've talked about films like you know Twelve Years a Slave where it's like so in your face, you know, mm. whereas, like, the the art of film is in things that aren't trans that transparent, you yeah. know, yeah. things where you have to kind of delve in a little bit more and scenes that uh, they play on, like, actual fear that is truth and real and makes sense. Mm. And these characters, they feel real. This feels like a real thing. And I, I just don't think I've seen a film do this this well and that's why like it does actually scare me i don't even if uh the um i'm gonna butcher the names i'm just gonna say their character names yeah. colin and uh miles and miles if they wrote this film i don't know where they're gonna go from here because it's like i haven't had this level of like impression like like this strong impressions probably since get out in mm. this sort of uh, category yeah. yeah okay um where it's like and get out does it a little bit different but still kind of touches on relatively yeah, yeah. similar concepts yeah, yeah. um I think this was better than Get Out. Um, in, in I find it hard to argue that. Yeah, uh, yeah. but I th- like I think this has more of a rewatchability than Get Out. I think Get Out okay. Al- like okay. Don't get me wrong. I love Get Out, yeah. but I think Get Out is kind of like you're trying to figure out what the twist is, right? And so then it, loses and then its it happens. So like when you're watching it on upon multiple viewings, you're like mm. you kind of know where it's gonna go. But with this, I feel like it's it, it, it works as both a commentary, but it's also quite fun and enjoyable as well. Well, yeah. I, I, I think... Um, did this film get Oscar pushed? Uh, no. It, it, it was nominated at Sundance. Okay. Um, I did don't it miss the mark, like, from a, the year perspective? Or? No, I think, it was, I think it was just too early on in the year, possibly. Yes, yeah. I, I yeah. really don't know how, mm. like... I love Get Out, too, yeah. but I don't understand how Get Out gets, like the hand of this is amazing and this doesn't, because this to me just felt a million times more clever. I think this just isn't as and, well known. I think that's yeah, like the issue. and but that annoys me, mm. I think. I yeah. guess it's that case of 
maybe this film's biggest flaw might have been its marketing push. Like, the people mm. in the post-production marketing, like, the and festival push it's, side. It's kind of sad because it's like, you've got all these big budget films out there where they've got big producers and all that, and it it's it's almost like, well, yeah, they've told this really genuine story, but maybe that's, yeah, at the expense of it being a big film. So yeah. it... it makes you wonder about other big films out there. It's like, well, how many how many genuine stories have been sacri- sacrificed yeah. in order to make money? Well, that, I mean, yeah. it comes back to things like, if you want to tie back to, like, the, the Get Out and Jordan Peele side, I mean, he was pretty synonymous with Key and Peele when he made Get Out. He had money. Mm. So if he wanted his film to be pushed, he had the money to invest the push. These guys might not have had that money. And I mean, thus... It was just enthusiasm that got him off the line in this, in this I mean, case. I mean, David Diggs probably had a little bit of money from, like, Hamilton, but other than oh, that, yeah, like, true. that's probably not enough to... Not the same level as Jordan Peele. Yeah, not in the same level as Jordan Peele. Do we know the yeah. budget on this film? Uh, oh, boy. Probably isn't big enough to actually probably look it up, um, yeah. I assume. Well, the box office here has two, uh, 4.9 million US, mm. uh, but I can't seem to find an actual okay. like, budget. <laughs> but, um... Uh, one of the things uh, that I find quite interesting is the whole what the title of this film is. Essentially, it's called Yeah. Blind that Blind. there's a lot like, that was like about. when I was watching it. All I was thinking was I don't know if I enjoy this title reveal as much as I enjoy the tra- like it was the train spotting versus blind spotting title <laughs> reveal, and that's all I was thinking about. Like uh, like when T two reveals why they're called train spotting. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing and it's perfect. Yeah, and this film, I think, does it even better. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think I've had this. Like, can you think of a film that has this, like, a title reveal this clever? Like, oh, like, yeah, that, with this much thought put into it. I mean, Superman Four: The World of Truth. <laughs> the Quest for Peace. The Quest the for Peace. Peace. That's it. I don't but, know. Um, I've ba- seen the Family Guy episode. <laughs> Basically, for the listeners at home here, um, it's not really a. Spoiler, it's kind of like I actually I feel like kind I, of off no, the I, table Okay, I, I, I kinda I kinda wanna say let's break into official spoiler yeah, territory. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because this film, I think if you have not watched it, find a way to watch it. iTunes do not listen to this part of the show yeah. until then. Because yeah. if I if you had told me what had happened in this film, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. Yeah. What like, the what just the everything. Difference? Like yeah. like apart yeah. from watch it, mm. like that's where it should end. And I yeah. think now we can break into the spoiler part. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. seriously, spoilers. stop listening if you haven't watched it and then go and watch it and then come back and watch. Listen to our beautiful voices. <laughs> da, 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 da. All right. So the title Blind Spotting refers to this concept. Uh, so I don't know if you got you guys had heard of this uh, uh, thing before. Really no. Um, so I learned it in one of my like high school psychology classes. Um, the picture of the uh, the vase. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's also two faces. faces. Yeah. And yeah. so that was the inspiration for this title. Is is um, where a person or situation can be interpreted in multiple ways, but the viewer only sees one side. Yeah. So in the case of the image, you know, you look at the image. And you can't see both the vase and the faces at the same time. You only see one or the other. Yeah. Interestingly as well um, is that image is typically represented as the vase is, I think, black and yep. the faces are white. Mm. And that is also like applicable in this movie because you've got the yeah. racial divide between the African-American community and the, the white community. Um 
So, yeah, it's just really sobering to think, like, about that concept in this political climate, uh, about how, you know, we see one side of things, but there's also another side of, of things. Mm. What what I liked about that scene is, obviously, the character, um, it's Colin, who Colin. learns when his, uh, his, well, his, his girlfriend... His ex-girlfriend. Ex yeah. Yeah. The grey area. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But um, uh, Val, is it? Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. She reveals, because he sees the vase first and then the face is second. Yeah. And in all seriousness, I saw the vase first and mm. the face is second too. Mm. Um, I don't know about you guys, if you guys saw the uh, faces first. But um, I really liked that. It was just so clever because you just were like, you could tell that it's that moment where mm. this film makes you like audibly go, Oh shit, that was so clever! Like, because <laughs> um, like I I knew like the theory or the idea behind. I'm sure mm. it was probably in screen classes we've talked I mean, about. At a, at but its, the the terminology of blind spot, I didn't realize that was the actual oh, term. At its core, it's the don't judge a book by its cover, right? Like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's sort of the the same little mm. line of thinking. This is this thing's kind of yeah. Going. Well, they actually coined the term blind spotting for this film. Oh, okay, like, okay. Like the gotcha. it, like the image they refer to is oh, not they're... called blind spotting. It's called some it's like, like a psychology term. it's called like yeah it's in the film isn't it I yeah like they mention it i can't remember it sounds intelligent yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but um They're too intelligent for us boys but on a meta level like i i almost feel like the viewers in a way accidentally blind spot the film itself um because like well I, at least this was my perspective cuz yeah. like i watched the film and i got like, I was blown away by it, and I took meanings from things. But it was only to watch the second time around that, like, I picked up on other things that I missed the first time kind of thing. Yeah. Like, just little kind of, like, character, um, you know, subtleties and stuff like that. One thing in particular um, I will mention is... Um, do we want... Okay, so this kind of, uh, like... I'll preface this with, do we want to talk about the end scene? Yeah, I think I think we should talk about it like away from the highlight scenes, just in the sense that we all clearly have a lot to talk about. Yes. Yeah. Because um, I think it's all unanimously our highlight scene, probably. Um, probably actually, yeah. well, I yeah. have one that I think I might enjoy more. That okay. the one that made me go, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll talk about it in my heart. Yeah, scene, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about scene. the ending yeah. right now. Okay, though. so let's talk about this ending. So basically, um, full spoilers here. We, um, so, as, oh, okay, we probably didn't bring this up. Um, a lot of plot we haven't talked about yet, I feel like. I kind of don't, like, uh, yeah, up until, like, the spoiler part, yeah, I didn't want to talk too much yeah, about Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so basically, um, do you want me to give, like, a quick, like, kind of rundown? So, like, they both work for a, a, a removalist comp, uh, mm -hmm. removaling company, company, company and... <laughs> Yeah, so Colin's trying to lay low for the Spitting next... Spitting them <laughs> Colin's trying to lay low for the next three days, you know... To uh, run out the probation. To run out the probation until one day he, like, a brutal police shooting happens and... An actually... unwarranted police shooting. Yeah, yeah. and it essentially haunts him for, like, the entire film. It's like he is, like, trying to keep a level head but this thing just like is in his like dreams and all that mm. um, well he can't go to the police because he's on probation so it wouldn't it's yeah, yeah 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 it's that, that whole like gray area of like well yeah the people you would normally inform about this are like they're the they're the problem here so it's yeah. like yeah. what's he gonna do so, yeah he, 
and he really and he doesn't really have a leg to stand on because if it was ever got to a legal point of view, he's a convicted black man. So yeah. like, no one's gonna listen to him. He doesn't have like he he would be silenced yeah. because purely because of, and and that's where that whole blind spotting thing is like if someone would look at him, they would solely look at the fact that he's a black man with a convicted uh, with a with a criminal record. Yeah, they would only see that side of him mm. and not see the side where he's trying to improve himself, he's going on a daily exercise regime, he's drinking, like, vegan smoothies and yeah, stuff like that. that. was fun, yeah. <laughs> there was some serious hipster hatred in this film, <laughs> which I, I had no problem with. Well, it's interesting, it, they actually kind of do refer to that, because the person who ends up getting killed in this, like, shootout, they, we watch, um, I think it's Miles watching the TV screen, mm. and, they, and they put up, of course, they put up, like, like a headshot or... Um, Oh, yeah, like, like him in the jumpsuit, like the yeah. arrest photo. Yeah, and he's like, of course he would use that photo, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But like, yeah. if it was a, like a white kid who got shot, they would have put this lovely family photo of him yeah, in a you suit, know, and everything. in a suit, and he's like, I know, on his high school graduation or something. When I watched that, I was seriously sitting there. I'm like, yeah, why do they do that? Like, <laughs> it's that real moment. We they, this mo- this film, I like actually does open your eyes, and not to not in that case that. Honestly, I do think films of the last decade have really done with that sort of, like, guilt. It's almost like that white man's guilt that we push, like, right. films have an agenda and they push um, it's not okay to be a man or it's not okay to be, uh, uh, like, white, basically. But they do it from that so on-the-nose, like, white people were really terrible 200 years ago, which they were. But it's all. But then this film is smart about it because this film goes, well, white men are pretty shitty. But they show us why. But then they're also yeah. saying that not all white people are shitty. Yeah. Like it's it's more about... we. It's honestly more about class differentiation rather exactly. than in this film. Than yeah. Where it, that's the sort of commentary this film's trying to do. It's like, stop looking at it as it's a race problem. It's a class problem. Mm. It's looking at these people are poor and they dress ghetto, so thus they must be criminals. Yeah, yeah. Rather than the pompous guy in the, the yeah. sweatshirt is yeah. riding the unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> vegan is totally yeah. fine, you know. But um, if we want to move on to the end scene, like, three... So I bring up that the, yeah. the plot about them being removalists, and so they end up in one house... And it's this, it's this wife, and she's recently got. It, it appears she's first got, day. Looks um, like they're moving. Is free. Yeah, first yeah, day being exactly. a free man. Uh, they walk into this house, and it and it's this really like, like this woman. It appears that she's a recent divorcee, mm-hmm. um, and she's leaving with. I think she's with a kid or something a like kid. that. A kid, maybe two kids. Yeah, or they're going to school. Or and something. she's like, oh, I'm, I like, I packed up most of the things. There's just some things in here that need to be moved, and then mm-hmm. she leaves. And so Colin and Miles are left, you know, clean up the rest of the mess in there. And um, I can't remember where Miles is, but like he, I think they're about to leave, and then Colin, yeah, literally, like Colin someone's goes left their jacket. jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes into li- uh, grab his jacket, and he looks at the photo frame on the bench there, and he's like, "Holy shit!" And you don't see what the photo frame mm. is. I kind of knew. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like yeah. I knew immediately You're what like, it was. Is it gonna be who you think it is? Yeah. And then he walks down into the basement, and it's the police officer that shot that black man on the street. Who yeah. also looks like he hasn't slept for about four. Or oh, five he days. looks like horrific. Like that can was I, awesome. Can I just say he's barely in the movie, but like that is a surprisingly underrated performance that the guy yeah, who plays yeah. the police officer. Like I like. 
he was so great. This man. is the thing though. Like you can like this film does this thing where it's it's being like more real and I think because it's being more real it's being a million like more effective. It's not trying to big up every like mm. this man is clearly feeling guilty about what he's done. Yeah. He doesn't feel like a hero. Absolutely. Like yeah. he is a wreck. He mm. is like l- seriously dealing with PTSD. Yeah. And he doesn't know if he shot him because he was black or he shot him because of the heat of the moment. Mm. He was panicking, so he acted irrationally. And he doesn't say a word. Yeah. You anything. get all of this. Yeah. Oh, no, no. He does say one word, which is one of uh, my um, yeah. uh, interesting things I picked up the second time around. Um, I didn't pick this up the first time. Is So, um, basically, Colin, which, we, which I'll get back to, Colin does this amazing long take... Like like one take of uh, spoken rap uh, mm. about how he feels towards the unjust killing. Now we'll get back to that in a second. But after all that happens, Colin leaves, and the one sentence mm. that the cop says mm. is, "I didn't mean to." Amidst all the tears that yeah. he's been expressing, mm. you can tell he's hurt. He says, "I didn't mean to." Now the one thing that I actually missed the first time around, but I saw oh, the second Miles time. Said. Miles says, "You sure?" But he looks at the camera. Almost as if he's oh, looking at the audience saying, I didn't notice yeah, that. You sure about that? Like, get a load of this guy. Yeah. He's saying, I didn't mean to, kind of thing. I'm like, wow, this is actually, like, so clever. I didn't notice him eyeing the camera. Yeah, he's like, no, because he, he's looking at the guy. He's got his eye line is, like, to the left or something it's, like that. It, and he directly looks yeah. at the camera okay. for, like, a second. That's cool. Yeah. Sort of doing that, like, almost like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, they're, like, the yeah. same frame, sort of, like, it's almost like you're, they're, mm. they're staring into the camera, but they're staring at the other person. Mm. Yeah, yeah, trick. yeah. Mm. But, yeah, that that, that that whole scene was fascinating. The whole David Diggs, like, just letting loose on this guy. Um, I think his fear, the, the cop's fear, is what sells it as well. Because yeah. it's yeah. not just a... Oh, you go, Colin, for this. Yeah. There's a bit of like, this is a fucking tense scene. Mm. Just because because of there are the so many, well. there are so many things in this scene that could go wrong. We could, mm. another person could get killed for like out of hatred. Yeah, like someone, a guy who literally just got out of prison could be going straight back, back. to prison. Yeah. Exactly. Or Miles could come in and like somehow escalate the you know the situation mm. if there's like another gun in there or something like that. Yeah. It? Like, Anything. like, Colin could have snapped at any point because, like, all this stuff's been building up to this one moment. He yeah. finally finds the guy. He could have just gone, I don't care. I'm going back to prison. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to kill him. But he doesn't. He he just, he raps and he just leaves. And I think that scene does it so well because you do believe as the person watching that he is going to pull the trigger. Mm, like, yeah. You really get sold on how much. And it's to do with... Colin's performance, but it's also to do with what Miles and the police officer are doing in the scene too. Mm-hmm. How they're both mm-hmm. like, "Oh shit!" Now he is actually going to shoot him. Yeah, he is going. To I, shoot him. I was first time I saw this. I was on the edge of my seat on that plane. Yeah. I was like full volume, and yeah, it was funny because like my, my, I, I, like my partner was like watching reruns of like some like <laughs> I know cheesy sitcom or something. <laughs> She's like, "Oh yeah, it's great," and I'm just like. Oh, but I don't actually know how you watch that on that plane. Oh, I am yeah. so annoyed. I, I I am annoyed that I have not seen this on a proper cinema screen. Yeah, yeah. Like this, I I feel robbed. Like I wish I could go back in time and go to like a screening in America and just watch it at like 
I know the Alamo Draft House or something yeah, like that. Wouldn't it? That, it's such a great festival film. That would have been a great. Yeah. The walk in, like, like a beautiful screen, kind of a smallish crowd. That would have been fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I mean, we might as well just break into highlight scenes. I think. Highlight scenes. Yeah. 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 Um, I've got a few. There's a, quite a few scenes in, um, ignoring the ending, of course. Yeah, which everyone, like, let's just... Probably one of the, the most ending. powerful endings I've seen mm. in a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or in a very long time. Um, I want to talk about two two scenes in particular kind of mind. The one where it, the very first nightmare scene that Colin oh, has yeah. is... That is almost equally as, like, fascinating. Because it's, it's not just the rap. It's the lighting. Mm. It's what they're doing with the camera as well. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's so good. And it almost kind of complements that end scene as yeah. well, because stylistically they are very similar to each other. But it's like the like the foots on the other sho- like the shoes on the other foot kind of yeah. thing. Is it, it's it's that whole reversal almost. of Colin's the victim in that nightmare sequence and the pl- the police officers on the other side. But then in in the now end, he's the prosecutor. end scene, it's the other way around yeah. kind of thing, and and Colin's his adversary and not accusing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that scene, like that, blew me away as well. Mm. Uh, long before even the ending did. And the other scene is when uh, we didn't even talk about this, but Miles is actually in an, in a mixed race family. Oh yeah. Um, where he's dating, or well, not dating, sorry, they they have a kid. And there's one scene. There's a whole thread through the film where Miles has this gun mm. that he's and constantly he's, like keeps yeah. showing off to Colin, who's like, yeah. "Get that thing away from me!" Yeah. Keeps coming up. And then this kid who's what maybe five years old yeah. gets a hold of the gun in the same scene. What what is so fascinating about this film, and it really articulates the tone, is on the one hand, it, it's quite a fun film in parts because that scene, you know, they they're all having fun and it's like, hey, our friend Colin's over and stuff like that. Yeah. And and there's that bit Miles has a shirt that's too small for yeah, him. Yeah, oh, that yeah, shirt yeah, is yeah, too yeah. small for him. Killing, I'm gonna kill a hipster on it. Yeah, yeah. And um and and I'm pretty sure like that's the bit where like Miles does that thing where he's like, uh, say I'm a tough guy and the, and, yeah. the, and the and the kid's like, I'm a tough guy. Oh god, it's that so kid's cute. so good. That and then so good. it just snaps and it turns into kids got a gun, and you're like, shit. That's the scene that, <laughs> that you like, were thinking of. Oh yeah, that scene was like I was like, oh no. And then when yeah. you see it, and you first off, it starts with the characters reacting. Yeah, yeah. And I love ones that always do the character reaction before what yeah. we're about. Yeah, it's that little bit of tension build, but it's like they're horror. Mm, and then yeah. you just, it just, I think it goes over, I think it's um, it goes Miles' shoulder, sh- yeah. Miles yeah. Sh- shoulder, and it just pans down. And mm. my face, I think, it grew like four or five <laughs> shades wider. <laughs> it was like. Oh, it's like, boy. And it's just the way he's touching it. And you're like, you know, the funniest yeah, thing is, yeah. so many movies have taken the piss out of, oh, a gun's loaded. Oh, like, yeah, and, it's, yeah. and it's such a like, oh, yeah, the, the gun's loaded and it's going to blow up in your face. Yeah. Mm. Never have I seen a scene like that do it. Like, the gun is, lo- you know what I mean? Like, it's amazing yeah. how tone can be shifted in a, in a film. Yeah. Like, in This Is the End, for instance, Jonah Hill puts. A loaded, a supposedly loaded gun in his mouth. Oh, I've heard it's, it's all a punchline for it's a joke. It's a comedy thing, yeah. yeah. And then in this one, you're like, oh, oh. Because the reason that scene works is you so, you're ready for it to happen. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You think this this could very well happen. And even the way it's edited, yeah. right as he snatches the gun, up until that very last millisecond, you're like, this could happen. Yeah. This film plays on fear really well. Yeah, it does. And it, it builds does. your fear too really well. And it's so mm. subtly horrific, this mm. film, in a lot subtly of ways. Subtly horrific. Subtly horrific, yeah. Like, it has some real subverted... And it honestly, it 
without even making a commentary on it, yeah. it, 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 it addresses gun control issues. Absolutely. Um, even just on the, the yeah. most subtext low line level that is a problem that is consistently talked about in america mm. if, what happens if you don't keep your gun somewhere safe mm. kid, kid gets kid a gun what happened yeah. and some, that kid is so good as well oh, the kid's great. and now we're playing on that natural horror without them looking to the camera at any mm. point going you should know a gun or you got to be responsible with a yeah. gun no, <laughs> they are literally like and it comes back to the first scene. I was scene. talking to camera in the credits. <laughs> hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed my movie. We need to talk about this. <laughs> but think about it. And it's all laid through the seeds from the yeah. opening scene where they're in, like, yeah. that lowrider Uber. Yeah. And they're, oh, and they're all being too. macho men <laughs> talking about, oh, yeah, I've got 46 guns. Oh, that, <laughs> that scene is priceless. <laughs> and yeah. you, you don't even realise how tonally different this film's going to like, go like this. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. a roller coaster. Speaking of scenes, I feel like this one we really brushed over is the um the Ant Man um cocktail scene. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. where for some reason the guy who's not Aziz, I'm not going to be racist, but he's kind of reminds me of like or yeah. like a Michael a Michael Pena yeah. sort of like. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I was yeah. going to say yeah, that exactly what it reminded me a, of. A yeah. character that literally has no gravitas in the scene except to tell the story in a comical sense. Basically, <laughs> I kind of like that they held in that reveal. Yeah, that you don't know what he did for a good chunk of the movie. I love that. Yeah, yeah. and he like sets fire to like. Yeah, like drops his flaming yeah. drink, and then they ended up like beating up each other and stuff like that. It's like, boy, I literally get the Ant Man vibes. Yeah, I I think it's so funny. This film's called Blind Spotting because it has so many like, like similarities in a way to Train Spotting. Yeah. Um, in its sense that it mixes that perfect mixture of comedy and really hard hitting drama. Yeah. Like, I don't know if these guys have ever cited Danny Boyle as one of their influences. Yeah, I don't know. But I can I could see them mm. saying that they watched Train Spotting and sort of wanted to walk a similar line because it talks it has you know a lot of similarities you know toxic friendships you know like oh yeah like being attracted to the wrong side of life and then misrepresentation of classes mm, and yeah. identity it yeah. make a very interesting double feature I reckon particularly because they're both very different cultures you got you know the American culture mm. and then you got this like British culture yeah. Um, but yeah, um, oh, so my highlight scenes, um, yes. So basically, like a lot of what you guys have covered, like obviously the end scene is my highlight scene. Um, but I will bring up quickly two scenes that I just really loved. Um, uh, a follow up from the gun sequence is um, when I think they're at, I think it's like a couple couple of scenes later or something like that, where Colin is outside with the kid and he like pats him on the head. And then, like, the kid's just like, don't shoot, don't shoot. I wanted to mention that, And then you just see Colin, like, shocked. And it's just very interesting to see, like, how, you know, you see that fear of, like, this is what I'm experiencing, and it's, there's a possibility this is going to carry on until the next generation kind of thing. Um, So it's like, yeah, just that, just such a fascinating, like, like, it's a very small scene, but it's like I just really love like how well that scene is done. Um, also, as well, when I mentioned the whole idea of gentrification, um, I quite like the scene where they're at the party and um, mm. Miles discovers that one of his favorite um, uh, fast food places, uh, Quickway, now does catering. Oh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> and it's like it's quick and it's on the way, and he's like. 
like it's a funny scene because he's like just freaking out over quick what like like essentially like knock off like yeah in and out burger mm. um but also at the same time it's like it's quite interesting to see like how yeah like this idea of well it's like the things like the vegan burgers and yeah, things like yeah. where it's like we're conforming to like this thing where it's like the, for example even they set the seeds with that one where they go like he has to specify if he wants a meat burger yeah. rather than, yeah. like, it's just meat and it should be specifying a vegan burger because it's yeah. a fucking burger. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. in all honesty, when he's saying lines like this, and I know they're meant for comedy, but you can really tell this is kind of their viewpoint too. That's my viewpoint, man. Like, the, <laughs> yeah. amount, of lack yeah. of, like, the amount of conforming to, like, this weird sort of lazy entitled culture where it's like, oh... Can you be bothered? Uh, Subway, we do catering. How about you just go get a fucking sub? Like, yeah. Jesus <laughs> like it's healthy to go get the sub. Yeah. Do you say this as a as a someone who brews coffee and has to deal with lots of Take different away. types of orders? Is that yeah? I don't know. Golden latte. <laughs> yeah, with their lactose free half shot of chai. It's like. You know, I used to just give you a black pot of coffee and you'd be like, help yourself, and that would be the end of it. <laughs> Interesting you say that. I once dealt with a customer that um, uh, he, he came with his kids and he ordered some coffees and he ordered his kids uh, soy baby chinos. What <laughs> is that? <laughs> I'm like, just give them regular milk, come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's it it's almost like this, like... um wussiness culture that we're just encouraging so, and like the follow the fallout of yeah. that scene is a character who's of african-american origin yeah pokes fun at him and pokes fun at like the whole like oh you're trying to be this big tough guy who's yeah. like an idiot and it's this weird sort of you know reverse well it's technically still just technically racism but it's that yeah. reverse subversion of expectation where mm. it's like He's this upper class kind of well, like he's not upper class, but it's like he's well presented and yeah, it's like yeah. he speaks eloquently and he's having a go at this white guy who's, who speaks like in slang and yeah, yeah, and it's that weird sort of like. But that's what makes this film just a league above mm, a lot of films. So, absolutely, yeah. I don't know how yeah. I'm gonna go with uh, where this is gonna between this and Nebraska. I, I, I really need to have <laughs> Fair a good enough. think. Mm. What, have you seen the Brasco, Jesse? Yeah, I have. I, yeah, I really liked it. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Pretty next level. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, it's quite, a, it, it's quite a quiet film. Like, should... I love it. It worked out, because, like, I remember that week, we literally just had no idea what to watch, and I think I think you just said it. Yeah. Like, what about Nebraska? I'm like, I don't know what... Oh, no, <laughs> I, think we, I think I kept talking about Better Call Soul, and you're like, oh, Bob Odenkirk's in it. Yeah, 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 That's yeah, literally yeah. why we watched it that week, and right, that yeah. was a great pick. Well... Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much all we have time for for blind spotting. Uh, yeah, go, uh, go watch blind spotting. Go out on, of your way to find a copy of it on um, iTunes. Alleged. Wait, no, iTunes doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, doesn't it? Oh no, but wouldn't it be going on to Apple Music or don't they have Apple Video or something like I don't that know. or iMovie or I don't know. Find it somewhere. Find a way. Just find a way. I will say though, please don't. Please don't find illegal means. Like support the creators of this because they yeah. pour oh, their they heart and soul it. into it. Absolutely. Like, pay pay that money to, if you have to buy a thirty dollar Blu Ray. Go pay and see it. Yeah. Cool. Well, what's new in cinemas this week, Jake? 
Um, what's yeah. the view in cinemas? What, just what? for the record, yes. like there have been instances where we've gotten the the film song. So I actually just for my own sake. Oh yeah, actually, I wrote down some of those well just in case. Okay, I'm actually really glad because because <laughs> no, we literally forget about this every week, yeah. and they're like, I'm like, oh wait, what? Twenty five think... episodes and you forget. Yeah, we normally uh, we just get so passionate about talking about the movie of the week. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right. Well, we usually we we used to have um a little. Like timesheets and stuff, we used yeah. to have like full documents going in the show, and now we just know it so well. Mm. Yeah, but like I guess not because I keep stuffing up the. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so uh, I believe Booksmart is coming out in the correct. Week. Thank you, cool Thursday. Um, I'm actually really excited for that. That's yep. um Olivia Wilde, isn't it? Olivia Wilde, she uh, a directorial director. debut. Hold on, I, like... I think it is. I'm pretty sure. It okay. Is. Do we want to place bets on this? I bet it definitely is. What do you think? What do you think? No, because you're sounding real confident with this one. So I'm going to say no. Got a jack bet on this one. Uh, Hold on. Just bear with us, Pod. Uh, Also, Crawl comes out this week, which looks horrifically bad, I feel like, but... I don't know. It it just looks like one of those, like, Sharknado-type things, but it's, what, a crocodile now, or...? Or a lizard. I don't know. I don't know, guys. <laughs> I don't know what Crawl's about. I don't care. It played... It, a trailer played for it when I went to watch Charles play. I don't care. Okay, it is her feature debut. Hey! Her feature debut. Well, I she clearly has... meant that. Yeah, he, he referred to directorial debut as their feature debut. Yeah. yeah. We, we negate short yeah, definitely films. meant that. Um... All right, well, I, I'm i looking at some of these other stuff I'm a little uncertain about. Mm. Uh, so you can take it from here, Jesse. What uh, else so comes the out? one other th- film that is also coming out is called Stuba. Okay, that came up. Yep. Oh, that's the Dave Bautista one. Dave Bautista nice. and Kumail Nanjiani. Very nice. Very and nice. he's an Uber driver. <laughs> it honestly looks kind of funny. Of course. It does look a little bit funny. Yeah. Because cool. Dave Bautista is clearly just doing his Drax. Like, yeah, yeah. He's just kind of carrying that over. Nothing goes over my head. <laughs> but anyway, we'll break into cool. the film we're going to watch next week. What I, are we watching next week? I've Jake? been campaigning for a film like this to come on because yeah. uh, we're going to be watching G- John Carney's. Oh my God. Did you say John Carpenter? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Could you imagine if he did that? Um, <laughs> a bit of a twist. <laughs> no, we're going to be watching John Carney's Once. A vacuum repairman moonlights as a street musician and hopes for his big break. One day, a Czech immigrant who earns a living selling flowers approaches him with the news that she is also an aspiring singer-songwriter. The pair decide to collaborate, and the songs that they compose reflect the story of their blossoming love. This film was directed by John Carney who was famous for Sing Street and my much-loved Begin Again. Now, Begin Again's so good. I, I'm so glad you guys are doing this film. I actually haven't seen it, so I'll probably watch it in in leading up to nice. the pod. The but pod. I am a huge Sing Street fan. I saw it like in cinemas, and I was so annoyed. It, much like Blind Spotting, mm. it, it was the blind spotting of 2016. For right, me. I was like, okay. People need to see this. Mm. Why haven't people seen mm. this? Yeah. So, yeah. I um, watched, I've watched once already, but I will happily watch this film again. Very nice. Uh, I'm a huge John Carney fan. Um, and it all started with Begin Again, which I talked about last week on the show and encouraged people to watch. And I watched this film uh, 50 or 60 films ago and. Um, I honestly, I like blind spotting, sought this film out because I heard one of the songs from it mm. and was like, I think yeah. We went to a, the aforementioned, uh, footy game. 
And you showed me that song for the first yeah, time. Yeah, and I fell in love with the song first, um, mainly because I had seen uh, Begin Again and then went on to see Sing Street. I own all of them, Very uh, nice. respectively. The trilogy. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're just amazing. And they're, he's an amazing sort of music uh, filmmaker. Mm. And this one has probably my favourite song out of all three of those films in it. Okay. Um, which I will be talking about a lot next week. Um, but... Honestly, it's a great film. Uh, this film came out about uh, 10 years before Sing Street. Yeah. And about seven or eight before Begin Again. So yeah. this is the fir- This is the earliest of the three. It's not his directorial debut, but... I thought it was, a- actually. It's I'm pretty... Not gonna lie. Uh, it's about mid. Um, he, okay. st- he actually started in the 90s. Um, but uh, okay. This is very early on. This is still... Uh, he kept a lot of his fil- earlier films closer to home because yeah. I think he's British so he kept him he's in Irish UK. Irish yeah. Irish that actually makes a lot of sense <laughs> and this one is set in Ireland so they nice. he didn't get really the wheels rolling on the career his first uh, uh, American film was beginning again I'm pretty sure oh, okay so there you go he's only really started to f- build up some steam with Sing Street and stuff mm. so I'm sure has he done something after Sing Street or no. Uh, no that was his last one 2016 okay. Yeah. Okay. This film's his That's more fourth, recent than I realised. It looks like. Hold on, no. One, like two, two, three, four. I really uh, enjoy it in... Seventh. So, oh, seventh. Oh, fourth oh, is oh, one. Oh, yeah, there you go. So, looking forward to your thoughts. Yeah, I've, you love I haven't Begin seen Again. it. Yeah, I love Begin Again. I love the, um, if you're talking about songs, I, the rooftop one where, um, what's her name? The, uh, she's a she's a popular Kieran Island. Well. Kieran Island. No, no, no. The, um, the one who's in Pitch Perfect, the younger one. The oh, daughter. yeah. Um, when she knocks Rebel over Wilson? the... Rebel uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, again, again, we can talk I about... I think it. I would be able to tell. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to talk about the two films comparatively. Yeah, I think we, absolutely um, we can talk about as uh, we go on to the next but, show. But, yeah. uh, beginning Again's great. And awesome. uh, he's a great director, and I'm really looking forward to you watching this I am too. I'll be with you in spirit. You'll be with us in spirit. Mm. Um, thank you for coming, Jesse, on to your show. Yeah, thank mm. you for coming on to my show. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, can we say now we have the uh, the Jesse Newell tr- trilogy of films, which is now what? Dog 2, <laughs> Marie Antoinette, and um, Blind Spotting. Can I just say, can whoever does that as a triple feature, like... Congratulations! Like that's so weird. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was more of a tonal rollercoaster than blind spotting. <laughs> you start off like with a weird taste in your mouth, then <laughs> no, no, like, yes, with, like with like with dog tooth, and then depend like judging by your reactions to Mary Antoinette, maybe you kind of like plateau a little bit. And then, like, you finish off with a banger. Right. Yeah. So... <laughs> I definitely think, I, I think, I think this will probably be your favourite of the, the, the new trilogy. The new trilogy. I would definitely say so. I would definitely Well, I love to... I had no problem with Dogtooth, but I, I, love I preferred uh, other Lanthimos films. Right. So. Well, that's, like I said on the very first episode, I'm looking to, every time I'm on, to try and bring something a little bit different. And you want to yeah, do Toy Story 5 with us? And, and, <laughs> and whilst this was a little bit more of a quote-unquote mainstream film than the other two films yeah. I brought on, like, it is definitely, like, really underrated. The quality is absolutely mm. there. Yeah, and yeah. it warrants its own episode well that's why i held yeah. all my thoughts two weeks ago i was like there's no way i'm just going to mention this in the first yeah. half like mm. this is absolutely a, mm. a film of the week directorial uh corner or director's corner yeah thanks yeah. for joining us for director's corner yeah, yeah. no next time i'm on if you'll have me i'd love to try and convince zeke to watch a horror film 
I know exactly which horror film you want to do. I have a few in mind. No worries. Well, thank you for joining us on the Cinema Side Show podcast. I was Zeke. I was Jake. And I was Jesse. And we'll catch you next week with John Carney's Once.